die of cold, toll free. If you hadn't pushed me out of the window in the first place. Oh, yeah. Well, if you hadn't shown up your stupid little cardboard spaceship and taken away everything that was important to me. Don't talk to me about importance. Because of you, the security of this entire universe is in jeopardy. What? I came up. I'm your older brother, Mike, and I was stepped over. That's the way Pop wanted it. It ain't the way I wanted it. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart and I want respect. Save your tears, Mo. Save them in a shot glass for someone who still has a shred of hope. A shred of what? I'm sorry. I was counting the cocktail radishes. <sighs> now, where was I? Uh, two, three... Three radishes. Three big radishes. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, uh, McGee. And our, uh, <laughs> well, I think this is answering our question. <laughs> <laughs> McGee, in our own personal dynamic, are you Mikey or Nikki? <laughs> That's, it's funny because I, I thought you were just going to ask in general, and I was like, oh, I'm definitely Mikey. But then when you add the, like, our Really? Personal, you think you're like, Mikey? I, I, no, no, no. I, I was gonna say in general, I think Mikey. And then when you add, when you added the specificity of in our personal dynamic, and I'm like, oh shit, fuck, am I Nikki? Oh, I'm Nikki. I think I think we know which one. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn, I'm Nikki. Huh. No, I think hmm. there's definitely aspects of that's that's what's, that's what's gonna be so beautiful. There, there's there's definitely aspects of the two. But what do you think you lean more towards, Mikey or Nikki, in this dynamic? You know, it's funny though that well, that was one of the things that hits home. You know, spoilers. Uh, but one of the things that hit home for me a little bit there, and something that I I think when I'm when I'm going through a real rough time, I know, and something that I'm like stubbornly prideful about is like I don't hit up people that I'm only hitting up. Like I I'm, mm. I never want to be the person who's only hitting up someone right, when they're in they're trouble. Sick, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I will like stubbornly just like fucking grin and bear it and suck through and you know and just try and like get through on my own because i don't want to ask for help because i don't want somebody to think i'm only calling them for help like you know like oh yeah i i that's honestly like more the i like take it too far the other direction in in fear of (laughs) being looked at as nikki like that all right we got to wrap this up i'm very interested to see what happens in uh, indochina mikey and nikki next All right, McGee, top three friends on films. What you got for us, top three? I mean, it's a boring, predictable three. Uh, third place here, because we just covered it. But like Wayne and Garth, right? Mm, like we talked okay. about it being iconic. Yes, sir. Uh, Wayne's World yeah. Party Time. Yes, sir. Excellent. Uh, uh, for my second choice, though, I did uh, less of a specific work and more of just a, a uh, pairing a la uh peter falk and john cassavetes oh, okay, in this okay. like a a uh, like creative partnership right. of uh, simon Pegg and nick frost i think oh i like, like it's just like, I, like a, it, I think that they had such a good run yeah. of did you watch space were you a fan of, of space at all did, did, uh, they're, they're, uh, uh it was okay yeah. i mean i think i watched it i was definitely introduced to them through Shaun of the dead oh, i okay, remember okay. 
my like sociology teacher in high school had a Shaun of the Dead poster. Oh, nice. Like in his uh, classroom before the American release. Nice. He was like a, a, a horror movie weirdo that was like hyping it up before it was even out in the States. Right. Uh, so that that was my introduction to them. And then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, like World's End and, and right. all the you know, Are, are you a fan of the, is it the Cornetto trilogy? Cornetto or? trilogy. Yeah. 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 No, I, fan, I love, yeah. I mean, I was a big fan. Yeah. Nice. I love uh I love the World's End I thought was was gorgeous. It was so much fun. Um I I mean I Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. like yeah dude I was huge. <laughs> I, I, I I we've we've talked about the when we we talked about the movies about movies in the Babylon. Oh right right right. And I I made a, an allusion to the 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 script that I have kind of cooking in my head yeah. of uh, sympathy for the director. Yeah, yeah. That's a, a very like Scott Pilgrim inspired oh, uh, really? take too, where it's like uh, that, like kind of like really like heightened, right. uh, just like the rules are presented and you they're just accepted as like the new reality right. and like that's you just you just fight these guys now and like all right that's shit like as we get seven X, cartoon uh, ads these seven first yeah. ads yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, like going right. through the film departments as like uh, right. like bosses basically I like, like yeah. that. <laughs> um oh yeah and then my my number one uh pair of friends in film of all time again unsurprising because it's the clear perfect answer it's frodo and sam okay lord of the rings baby so you don't, you don't consider uh is it marianne and pip you don't consider them like the quartet like i, I guess it's them too like I mean, they're they're the Mary main and Pippin, well so you've only you've seen two towers right, but right you right, haven't right. you haven't watched the third one uh, right no not yet so but so for the bulk of you know two out of the three movies uh frodo and sam are basically like by themselves okay, okay. So right. it, it is their pairing as a friendship. And right. then like, especially in the the conclusion of the trilogy, which you haven't seen yet. Right. I won't spoil anything, but yeah, right. their relationship is, is a, one of the most beautiful, like male friendships uh, committed to film. Like um, also, uh, you will love to hear that uh, me and some of my friends just this weekend uh, marathoned all three movies <laughs> back to back to back. Really? Ex- extended edition. We went over there at nine in the morning. Uh, uh, we did seven Hobbit meals. So we, we divided up the meals. Oh, oh wait, wait, the, wait, wait. It's not actually making meals that they would have eaten, but just having seven, seven separate meals. Uh, the they, were like, they were like vaguely themed to be really? a, as close to the movie as possible. But give, give also us one. Make, give, give us a give, would, would uh, like, We would. did, I think... We did like cinnamon rolls and coffee and tea in the morning. Yes, cinnamon and then... rolls and, and the fucking what's this? No, called? but there was oh, okay, like okay. Uh, that all was right, the yeah. that was the like breakfast pastry we oh, could all okay, agree okay, on because okay. nobody wanted like fucking muffins or whatever. Right. Um, I did uh, a pot roast and a potato soup for supper and dinner. Nice. And then my buddy made a chili that we had for lunch. And then there was just like little like cakes and tea and shit in the in the middle ones. But there's not like. Uh, do they eat anything strange in the? What's his world no, called again? There, no, there's no, like. I, I keep wanting to say there was like, like one scene. It's it's not uh, that, Middle right? Earth. Middle, Middle Earth. Earth. There you go. Isn't uh, that weird food. It's not like Luke and the Blue Milk or something like that. They don't no, have like no. That. There's oh, nothing. Okay, okay. It's like basically like full English or like I mean English food's terrible, so it's like more like Irish Scottish food because it actually looks good. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but it's like sausage and potatoes and eggs okay, and, okay. and home cooking, you know, country, like country cooking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Just like okay, fucking okay. classic. All right, so yeah, you're right. I, I wouldn't. 
I went a different you, place. You just in like my you head. just want to talk some shit. All right, no, I went good. a different place in my head. I, I didn't think about that. Okay, yeah, like country kind of. Yeah, they're not like comfort food. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that. yeah. It was it was fun. It was a blast. We split up the meals, so it wasn't actually that much work. Right. Uh, and just did like a bunch of small portions and shit. It was great. Sounds like hell to me. Uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my top three. <laughs> my top three friends on films. Uh, animated edition, Sean. <laughs> right, oh, my favorite uh, animated characters. You never play by the rules. Never. All right, I gotta gotta mix it up like I'm a blogger or something. <laughs> like how I gotta get a kid you to click on this article. <laughs> You'll uh, never guess yeah. what he did next. Uh, by Blue Chew. Um, number three, Buzz and Woody. All right, and, and these are spit out my fucking drink. <laughs> uh, uh, bleeping that. But. <laughs> uh, the, the, actually, I should have mentioned that these. Uh, um, my top three are kind of themes. So these are enemies that become friends. My number three. All right? okay. And that's Buzz and Woody. Okay. Right? Enemies to friends. Right? Buzz and Woody. All yeah. Right. Uh, very, very famously Woody. Um, very much the genial Homicidal. one. Well, he, 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 he's, um, he's the genial one. He's the, he's the life of the party until he's usurped by Buzz. Right. So then that's when you kind of really kind of get into the seedy part of, of Woody's personality. And I think as a kid. Yeah. As soon as he's the not, the new hot. Right. He is straight up homicidal. <laughs> exactly. One of my favorite fucking uh, bits in that movie too I've always even as a kid that made me laugh was there's there's another moment that mirrors that when uh, the shark gets the uh, cowboy hat and so like when Woody gets put in the toy chest and the shark gets his cowboy he's like hey I'm Woody <laughs> howdy, 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 howdy howdy but it's like you could tell that his lifelong dream was just to be in the spotlight one time <laughs> his opportunity was snatched <laughs> I, I love that moment anyway uh, my number two enemies that are friends, Batman and Joker. Now, <laughs> as a kid, I was raised on Batman and Joker. This, this is no, 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 no. This is the farthest no, no, it, from it, the I assignment. Swear. Oh, oh you right, mean in terms on. of like? <laughs> in terms of no, I think because I think they truly are. The assignment was famous friend duos, and you're like Batman and Joker. Oh, I, uh, I can say specific. I mean, you can, uh, Master of the Phantasm. I, I think the moment I'm going to call out is in Nolan's film, and why I like that moment so much because he specifically got that aspect of the character right. Um, where Joker being the homicidal maniac that he is, when really and truly it, it, it's it's the relationship between Batman that kind of keeps him going. Um, but they oh, they always plant this aspect in the character, and that's why I love the interrogation scene of Nolan's film so much. But the you know I'm not trying to kill you. Like what would I do without you? Go and go on to ripping off mob dealers. Like you know you complete me, and that's the the psychosis of the character that when written well. I feel like kind of captures that dynamic uh, perfectly. That's that's what I love. So enemies that are actual yeah. friends, uh, and just plain friends, Mowgli and Blue right? <laughs> from the Jungle Book. Um, absolutely, my maybe favorite animated duo of all times. I'll tell you a real quick memory um, and why I maybe became a film obsessive or, or where some of this kind of comes from. Um, we grew up in a neighborhood where it wasn't uncommon for people to just like walk by door to door and sell things that they found <laughs> do you know what i mean so, <laughs> one night this dude uh, uh walks into the house with a uh, a red wagon full of vhs's and my mom was like raising the church and like you know morals and blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah, i yeah. gotta get in the way of some of her decision making 
So <laughs> she was like not wanting to buy these. Don't let her listen to this episode. <laughs> Shit. But she was like, uh, I, I didn't say that about you. But <laughs> she was uh, kind of like, oh, I want to buy. We were like kids. We were like, no, no, no. Like he, we, we got a lot of VHSs, but we didn't always get like current. We didn't actually. Very rarely do we get like the current movie out. I don't know how your household was with like buying. Like we go to Blockbuster kind of, you know, oh, fairly yeah. often and get. We had, movies, we we had family video. Buy. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was the difference. Like, oh, I could I can watch this. No, we would get a, the like bargain martial yeah, arts movies. Dude, I had like a ton of Warner Brothers, you know. like those bargain uh, basket, like Warner Brother cartoons, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. from the forties. So like, oh, okay. yes, yeah, so I had all kind of like um, like when Bugs and uh, Daffy were like more of like the rubber tube kind of drawings. We we had them. so many fucking kids that there was just like a pile of Disney movies that would like amass and get mm-hmm. passed down to whoever was the appropriate age uh, at the, any given time. So there was the like giant pile of, of, of like Disney animated movies. Uh, but the the cheap the cheap pile was the martial arts movies for sure, which oh, I know nice. we bond over. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> this guy had a pile of uh, Disney animated movies and amongst that, 101 Dalmatians, Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Lion yeah, King, yeah. Jungle Book. We brought like maybe seven or eight of those tapes that night. I, I, I popped the tape on, on The Jungle Book as a kid. I absolutely love this pair. So yeah, those are my top three. Um, favorite friends on films. Welcome to Make Me Watch. We are a couple of failed filmmakers, but forever students of cinema on an eternal quest to watch more movies. I'm your uh, host, Eric Elliott, and I'm joined by my own personal Nikki Godlin, Sean McGee. How are you, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm standing here with a, a gun pointed at the door, just re- <laughs> call, call <laughs> ready to give you. Yeah, I, I I mean I'm giving you my full attention, but just so you know, I am ready to blast anybody that walks in the door. If you, if you hear a commotion, that's what's up. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to get into the uh, underground gym classic, I feel like, 1976's Elaine Mays, Mikey, and Nikki. Uh, we'll give some general thoughts, spoiler-free, right up top, and we'll let you guys know when we break into spoilers as we dig into the film's plot, performance, and some of our favorite behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, a little film synopsis if you guys have not seen the movie. Nikki living in a downtown hotel room, alone, desperate, and afraid that someone is going to kill him when he calls on his old pal Mikey for help. Without further ado, let's get into 1976's Mikey and Nikki. I'm really getting the treatment tonight. Tonight's my night. On a night like this, there is no trust. They're going to kill me. Honey, I'm serious now. Well, I'm not interested. I'm coming with you. There is no time. know it for a fact they're gonna kill me you are not gonna die on a night like this there is no choice peter falk john cassavetes mikey and nikki written and directed by elaine may ma if anything happens to me mikey did it all right that was from the trailer of 1976's mikey and nikki written directed by elaine may and starring peter falk as mikey and john cassavetes as nikki uh cinematography by mostly bernie abramson (laughs) which we'll get into uh uh, there's a few other people credited and uh also editing by yeah some people question 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 um (laughs) I watched this one. Uh, it was it's streaming on HBO Max. Uh, but how, I'm curious, how did you watch it? You- I watched the uh, Criterion version of this uh, film, and um, 
Shocked. That's that's what I figured. (laughs) It is is a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, case and cover. And I want to uh, talk uh, really quick specifically about the artwork. I'm not a huge fan of just, you know, faces on a poster with their names. But if you're going yeah. to do it in the style that they've done it, um, it, it is, is gorgeous. And it's it's two illustrations, almost watercolor illustrations, of Peter Falk as uh, Mikey and uh, John Cassavetes as Nikki, and um, almost like a, uh, a card version of that. So if you were to see a playing card, um, uh, them kind of being opposite sides of a king, um, a dark and a light, uh, just a real beautiful illustration. So that's oh wow, I just so I just looked it up for the first time. No, that, really? that is that is gorgeous, and it has the same uh, like tear quality. Yes. Like the original poster looks like a Polaroid yes. that's torn, mm-hmm. and it yeah. has the same like rip through the middle uh, theme. So that's cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah, beautiful poster. Good, good eye. Good good call out. I'm curious, why did you make me watch this? What's what's special about this film for you? I'm, I'm going to hold up my fist at half court and go ISO for just a moment here. <laughs> just give me some space. Um, this is art born of intimacy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to posit this to you as we, as, as we kind of get throughout this episode is Ooh, we are going to get in it. Yeah. Right? Look, keep, I, I'm going to, I'm going to back off. That's the last time I'll interrupt you, but like, oh boy, we're going to get in it. Uh, is there any masterpiece that doesn't have an element of close collaboration? I don't really have an answer answer to this, um, and and I'm I'm gonna maybe bet that if somebody were to go throughout film history, odds are it, it probably goes the other way, and maybe it's it's largely untrue. But I think it's an interesting thought exercise, and I kind of want to work out with it. So um, oh, I would I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, that's what, it's it's what I live about film as a medium is that I don't think I, I mean it's it's what we we brought we talked about auteur theory briefly in, mm-hmm. in a, a episode that's probably hasn't come out yet because it's one of our our vaulted episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look our, for our, our famous like, Disney vaulted episodes. Yeah, it's it's our <laughs> in our famous Disney vault. You can get on a holiday break or Patreon or whatever the fuck ends up happening. But uh, we we discussed um, um, Knights of Kiberia mm-hmm. and where we talk about Fellini and auteur theory and how we we've kind of had different arguments about auteur theory at different points in our lives, and I've I've come to see it different ways. And, I, and I'm definitely of the the mind of like they I totally I get the like singular genius and or the the like genius and the like singular clarity of vision that somebody like like a Kubrick uh can bring and and there's there's that level of genius too and but I I think even with that level of singularity of clarity of vision mm-hmm. that you there's still so many people you have you know. How many special effects geniuses are born out of the collaboration and in two thousand one right, and right. and the space that Kubrick is given, uh, and and it ends up like developing this entire culture of filmmakers that uh, then go on to like work on all these different sci fi movies throughout the seventies and we talk about Andromeda Strain and but you know so like I I think in the same yeah I I think even when you look at the most clear example to me of like a singular clarity of vision auteur, mm-hmm. there's it's always still yeah. there's yeah it's so, always yeah. when you get digging into the history it takes a village absolutely uh and that's that's the beauty of the medium that we chose to love 
And, uh, you know, as, as I, I'm going to just bounce off what Sean says, because it beautifully put and, and as I kind of wrote that, you know, that thought exercise, uh, you know, some of my favorite masterpieces stem close, you know, uh, stem from close collaboration. So, uh, you know, Walt and his nine old men, um, Spike and Ernest, uh, Dre and Snoop, uh, uh, Joel and Ethan, you know, Michael and Quincy. Uh, Spielberg and, and and Williams and, and like Sean had just brought up like uh, uh, Kubrick and, and we're talking about 2001 Kubrick and his close relationship with Clark. So just kind of pairing those surnames like really invoke, you know, filmographies and images and art and music that's kind of greater than the sum of their parts. And I feel like Falk and Cassavetes were one such pair and, and, and two men that sort of knew each other so well that that ending their sentences was a little too easy that they could start them. You know what I mean? Uh, they bring a lot of this richness of, of a lifelong friendship that's kind of at the end of its rope. What's special about Elaine and what I love about her as a filmmaker is, is she kind of really knows this toxic cocktail, right? Like bonds that slowly erode bit by bit from uh, perceived slights and jealousies and resentments. Um, these patterns are lifelong and they're present in nearly every household and every family and every civilized body of man. Um, <laughs> she doesn't hide from that and, and she gives voice to it. And I feel like the way she gave, she gave voice to these two archetypes and these two characters uh we're gonna get into the time machine question later but this is this is the stuff of Cain and Abel <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. this is the the legend of brothers and and, and the story of uh a friendship so Cain and, and Abel is a really good uh like yeah, yeah. And like like just like going straight fucking biblical down to the the foundations of the earth of like we've told this story as as old as time of like yeah, just the 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 people that are the closest to you are the mm. people that can hurt you the most. Absolutely, and and it's such like, dude, we're gonna get into it, but in such small ways that that really sort of like you know, we make mountains out of molehills, but it, it's little these these small slights and the small slight. It's so we're gonna get into that scene, but the small slights that they bring up that you didn't do this or you said this or you, oh you know God. what I mean? Like, yeah. That's the stuff that really like lives with you. And, and we're all kind of petty to an extent to, to where you can pull up a million yeah. of those slights. And you're just like, I know it sounds petty. It's but like you don't even know, you don't even know because it's not about the one. Right. Slight. The one thing. It's never, it's just the, yeah, it's but just it's the last long, thing yeah, on the your mind. It's, it's the scratch, that, yeah. you know, it's Absolutely. the scratch on the roof of your mouth that you're tonguing exactly. and you can't stop tonguing. <laughs> exactly. And, and like, you you can't you're like no like there's a deeper thing here that i should be expressing mm. but like i can't stop fucking with this one i'm fixated now wound. on this yeah yeah exactly i that i'm guilty of that as much mm -hmm. as as any of us and, and that's like yeah the universal uh language of this right. film and like and that's that's the beauty of like i think you know i think i have my criticisms of this film that i'll get into but like that's that's one of the things that i love too of like however unrelated you know like not mm -hmm. most of us have never been in debt to the mob or <laughs> like had a contract taken out on our life or like been secretly trying to murder one of our friends or anything like you <laughs> right, know like, right, right. You know, i got a little shit spoilers speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, what is what is bleep all that shit out but uh <laughs> speak for yourself but uh like like the, but there's there's the parts of it their relationship that is the the universal truths that they they get into and it, and I think that that gets at it of like it it's the argument that's not about the argument it's you know like and and that's you know where I think this this movie kind of lends to multiple viewings mm -hmm. um because once you know 
the details of the plot, then mm. you can really get into the the subtleties of the performance and the argument yeah. behind the argument and stuff. And and uh, yeah, it's it's just such a a really powerhouse performance in, in a in a really interesting movie. Absolutely, and that that was so much of of your. Um, I just want to is that that's your immediate reaction? Did you have any? Um, um more my, my film, immediate yeah. reaction, honestly, uh, I did not like it on my first viewing. Interesting. I okay. had to I had to watch it. I knew I was gonna have to watch it twice as mm-hmm. soon as I finished watching it. Right. But I, I watched it, you know, kinda late at night. Mm-hmm. Not even really that late at night. I just, you know, I watched it kinda in the middle of the day. <laughs> it would no, it wasn't it, 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 it wasn't like late, late, but it was, you know, like just like a classic fucking like evening viewing or whatever. And I just like I just felt it was deeply unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and you know, the the pacing of the movie is excellent. Like it, it is intentionally, you know, the the roller coaster that it is. Mm-hmm. I I'm not I'm not saying that as a criticism of the of the pacing or editing of the movie. Right. But it on yeah, on my first watch, it was yeah, just a bit exhausting. Mm. Um, and I, you know, even then I could tell, like, you know, I liked these performances, but just the rough mm-hmm. around the edges mm-hmm. nature of the movie itself, mm-hmm. uh, is the kind of thing that is a little hard for me to watch by itself. And then that combined with the mood, the thematic elements of like kind of having to deal with mental illness mm-hmm. and, and like trying to, herd cats mm. uh of like dealing with somebody to this kind of chaotic mm. uh like you know it, it's a very exhausting watch mm. uh, so i my initial reaction was was pretty unfavorable uh, can i can i interrupt you really quick just yeah, before yeah. you get into the rest of your point um part of my reason for selecting this is, as well is we're in we're entering uh noir vimber as we uh, at the time of the recording of this podcast so um I, I kind of switched it up because I was like, let me let me hit him with a, a couple of my uh, favorite noir films. So, ooh, I know my next choice now. Thank you. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple on the board right. that, that I was uh, floating between. Right, right. But if we're doing a noir theme, then I gotta, I gotta, I right. know my next choice. So you, you know, this is like one of my favorite, if not my favorite genre of, of filmmaking. This is uh, more of a, a modern noir. Um, but these are the type of characters that you, you know you're subjected to in a noir. Do you do you deal well with these type of uh, type of characters, like these really unpleasant, um, difficult men, sort of speak, like like or difficult men and women? Do do you feel like that those are characters that you it, was that part of the your reading of it being unpleasant for the start, or what, what are you? What is your take on some of these more difficult characters? No, I mean we can. Well, we we're kind of get. We you know we usually talk about. Uh, what's a moment in the in this film that's like relatable to real yeah, life? Yeah, yeah. So you know, spoilers for that segment. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, without getting into too detail, like I have dealt with a, a close personal friend who mm-hmm. was pretty manic mm-hmm. and always in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, you know, there was a time in in my life where they were fun mm-hmm. and it was a good time. And then there's there was you know as they descended. Uh, it, there was uh, increasingly just like, you know, if the phone rang and you saw their name on the caller ID, you're like, fuck, all right, what's mm-hmm. going on now? Mm-hmm. You know, like you just knew something was wrong. Right. Something was going on. They they had a fucking emergency, mm-hmm. it was some nonsense, or they were mad about some, in- mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was, it was going to be some, some drama. Mm-hmm. So, and it, yeah, basically I've, I've been there where you're like, 
kind of trying to still be friends with the person that mm-hmm. you're friends with, but you're just seeing the increasingly destructive behavior and you're wondering like, when do I pull the ripcord on this? Mm-hmm. Uh, when am I, when am I helping and when am I needing, it's like a, a lifeguard mm-hmm. sort of thing of like, you can't, you know, drowning people kind of fight you while they're drowning and they yeah. take you down with them. And like, at what point do you have to back up and, and get a breath yourself? Right. Right. Wow. Um, I came at this from a little different of an angle. I really relate to Mikey's relationship and yearning um for for respect, but 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 respect from a certain person. So he doesn't necessarily and and I'm gonna get into some of the differences between the script. Uh, I read the script last night with this Elaine Mays, one of my favorite mm. writers. Um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. But I've seen the film several times. Never read the script, and I want to do a script to screen comparison because the um. The legend of it being improv is is a big part of it, and, and a lot of people kind of dispelling that legend. And, and people were so adamant to say that uh, you know she wrote every line of dialogue and everything that you know had came out was, was from Elaine May's head. And that while that's partly true, I, I would say there's probably an eighty twenty split. There's a lot that she changed in here, and mm. one of the one of the most brilliant changes to me is, uh, and we talked a little, a little bit about this off mic, but it's the end of the movie where Mikey is trying to manufacture a relationship. And this is spoilers. If you haven't seen the end of the film, maybe you should kind of about now. We're, um, from this point on, and, and as we get into our next segment or after the break, we're going to kind of spoil the film. So uh, if you like what you've heard, if you if you uh, want to explore the movie and join us afterwards, please, please feel free. But um, it's the point of the movie at the end where Mikey is talking with his wife and he's trying to relay, um, uh, he's trying to manufacture a, a history between the two of them that they don't yet have. Cause he hasn't really been open with her about his past and, you know, yeah. his brother and, and his relationship with his father. And he doesn't necessarily have that same organic or someone doesn't know or have these same memories in the way that Nikki does. Cause Nikki remembers what his brother was like and remembers him with and without hair and, and how they teased him mm-hmm. and had, you know, there, there was, and what his father was like. And so when he tells him, where she tells, uh, he conveys a memory to her, and then, you know, she tells, oh, you know, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I would have known your father. He says, you know, you wouldn't have. He was a very sour man, and he didn't like any of the women in the family. Um, but he liked Izzy, and he liked Nikki, because Nikki kidded him. And and the change that Elaine May makes in the script, uh, from the script to film, is in the movie and on the page, Mikey's wife says... Um, uh, well, I'm sure he liked you too, or some form of, you know, well, I'm, I'm sure you were a favorite too. Now in the script, Mikey says, um, uh, oh, I, I didn't, you know, aside from me, or I didn't, you know, yeah, I, I was mean, you know, Izzy, Nikki, and, and uh, you know, from, with the exception of those two, me too. But in the movie, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of let that, we cut back out into a wide and he doesn't confirm or, you know, reaffirm like, yeah, like, yeah. I did have, you know, my father's, uh, my father wasn't sour to me or he, my father didn't approve of someone else more than he approved of me. He also has a story about the watch, like, like him giving. Yeah, and he claimed to be the favorite. In right. The right. Story. And yeah. you can kind of see that that's not true based on his relationship with Resnick as well. Like, like men that are sort of surrogate fathers for Mickey don't, he, he annoys or they're, they're kind mm. of, he's kind of on the outskirts of that. I relate to that in a way <laughs> that is that is I relate to that. You know what I mean? Like and, and, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. So and, and it's not like there's not a love there, but like that same thing where he's like like Nikki made them laugh or or he, he could you know, like he can I, I know what that means and I know how that can kind of hurt 
in a way. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I I can see how that that sort of that even that small beginning slight as a child for Mickey, how that how that builds into a oh yeah there's still those like those little lines it's like fucking eight words that have echoed in your brain for three decades like you know like you know like just the little slights that they bring up uh you know or later in the movie or at different points in the movie absolutely i do totally know what you mean though i like yeah 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 um so that that that's something that i can relate to and 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 that's the one because she doesn't she doesn't spell it out, you know, you kind of, as an audience member, have to put it together, but it's so profound in the way she captured that, the the, the psyche of that. So I wanted to, um, I'll talk obviously some more about the script, but uh, let's throw it to a break and we'll get into our focus group. All right, Eric, I'm curious. What's the, what's the scene in here that you would show somebody to get them to watch? What's your pitch? Uh, It's, it's going to be a scene that, that Sean coined that I love. (laughs) Called the train wreck sequence. Oh my god! You're this is how you're gonna pitch the movie to somebody. Yeah, yeah, to the train wreck. Because uh, if oh, you're gonna man. watch the movie at all, I feel like this is. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> if, if 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 you can get through this scene, you can get through the movie. This is this is this is like when when I when I leave when when I think about this film. Okay, let, let me start here. Let me start here. I first saw this film in 2017, right? If you were a Charters um, Criterion subscriber member, when they first launched the site, they would only parcel out films every Wednesday. You know what I mean? So it'd be one film, new film every Wednesday. until the, the And there was a beta testing for the site until it officially launched. So this is the first film, among one of the first films that they showed uh, at, during the launch of that website in 2017. And um, I, I just... You know, to kind of steal a turn of phrase from you, I haven't existed with this film for very long. It's only been five years, five years in total. Uh, but in that five years, I routinely think about, like, the layers of complexity to this scene. And, and like, you know, similar to, like, tunneling a, a comically large drill bit into the core, <laughs> the longer I think about it, the more intense and frightening it kind of becomes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a scene for the faint of heart. It, it doesn't really leave you feeling thrilled to see what's coming next. But I'm captivated. Um, not mm. anticipatory, but... You know, you're you're really, I'm really drawn to what happens. You don't see that kind of scene on screen yeah, in the way yeah. that it's handled. E- e- either, either her feelings, uh, uh, and I mean, um, uh, um, uh, Joyce Van Patten. I'm, I'm forgetting the character's name, but Joyce Van Patten's character. Uh, you you don't see the effect that that situation has on on that character in Nor- Nor- is like, you know, maybe she'll take a schmack in her schmack mouth. You know what I mean? And then that's like yeah, the last yeah. thing that we ever hear from that. Well, like to see how that emotionally wrecked her after this moment, uh, when Nikki uh, comes back or, um, what that did to Mikey as a split. And I'm, I'm also going to ask you a, a quick question about this moment too. Cause I think it, there's an interesting, this is an interesting turn for these two characters, but you know, at this point, the good times are over and the real bitterness is, is really moments from your taste buds. So, um, yeah. we've talked about unlikable people before, particularly in our last episode of, of uh, killers, of the flower moon and, and earlier in Babylon. Um, but really unlikable and, and to steal a, a quote from, uh, I'll just steal a turn of phrase, excuse me, from Richard Brody, critic Richard Brody. Um, these aren't, these aren't flawed people. These are, these are damaged people and, and, and mm. damaged people who are damaging, but these are also people I know, you know, these are people that I was raised with. These are, these are resentments that I recognize and I harbor. Uh, and these are words. If I was Mickey, if given the chance, I'd say, you know, and I've been Mickey, I've been Nike. 
Nike. I'm sorry, I've been Nike. I've been Nikki. Uh, I've been Mickey. And, and, and truth, you know, truth be told, I believe a lot of us are a mixture of the two in, in, in yeah. certain phases of our life. So uh, this scene says so much to me about Elaine May as a writer and being able to to weave these complexities together and and how she reveals certain truths about this scene later on um, are, are just really profound to me and really well handled. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a, c- a couple of those structural things later on when we get into craft and whatnot. But that, that's the reason. If I were to show anybody uh, anything from this film, like as a noir sequence, like you got to mm. watch this, dude. Like it, this is, it's, it's incredible. Incredibly performed too. Like all three of them just... The, the, the encourage so to leave it in. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's uncomfortable it's in the best, in the bravest, be, right. you know, best way. And and but like, yeah, I'm I'm really really curious to hear the the structural stuff that you're talking yeah, about well, because honestly, yeah, that's the stuff that I didn't. That's where I'm, you know, like kind yeah. of don't understand what's gotcha. going on with it. So I'm I'm excited to hear your take on that. The scene that I uh, chose for this uh, that I would use to pitch to somebody. If I was picking a short scene, I would pick the uh, feeding the baby antacids or whatever the whatever the hell he was taking. Right, right, right. Like, I can't remember the, the exact name of the in. drug. Where he's like, oh, "Open your mouth! Here comes the train." Uh, that was not, not a bad. I was, was going to say that, that was, was actually good really bulk. good. That was the, I didn't yeah, I didn't that practice really, that at all. That was a pretty good. Because I was, like, was going to talk uh, about his delivery, I was like, "Wow, that's not bad." Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, I love that. There's so many good lines, just uh, rapid fire in that exchange where yeah. it's like. That's one of those moments where you feel the improv nature of it, where you're right. like, I wonder how long they sat there and struggled right. and just tossed out right. lines back and forth uh, yeah. in order to get what the, what ended up in the edit. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's so many funny lines. where I love it. There's there's one point where he just goes, it's poison. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you guys didn't know, which I did it, fucking uh, McGee has an awesome Peter Falk impression. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Oh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I didn't know either. This is also news to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but he, uh, and, and believe it or not, again, having read the script, eighty uh, twenty, a lot of a lot of the jokes and that is are in this. So the poison bit is in the script. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, that's pretty sure. early in the improv. So that's not yeah. entirely surprising. And that's so. I'm so glad that you read the script because yeah. that's such an interesting question to ask. Mm-hmm. And that is like. Such confirms my philosophy of filmmaking and also I feel like uh, makes me judge this movie even a little bit more harshly with oh, some of the behind the scenes bullshit right. that we'll get into. Right, right. Uh, but we'll save we'll save that for that segment. Mm. Um, but a, a longer scene that I had as my runner up for this that I just wanted to briefly mention. I, I love the cemetery sequence as a whole. But I think the the bus fight leading into the cemetery. M. Emmett the, Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. M. Emmett Walsh, uh, the bus driver. Uh, that that scene has the some of the I mean, the, this movie is like genuinely funny yeah. for as like yeah. as much as I talked about it being exhausting mm-hmm. and, and a bit uh, of a, a an emotional like commitment yeah. it, there are moments there the, everybody in this movie is like genuinely pretty funny mm-hmm. and, and i mean uh talking elaine may is like a improv god like she's a legend and so yeah. it's not surprising that like the moments of humor that just like burst out of this the darkness of this movie um, right but uh yeah the uh, the 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 goofiness of that bus fight sequence uh paired with them then breaking into the cemetery yeah 
Uh, I mean, just the giddiness of them like jump, yeah. running off of the bus where they are like teenagers. Yeah, uh, sliding he, like, between they, the two, getting off. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it's so funny, and they're like giggling like teenagers running off of the bus. Yeah. Uh, then they, you know, get into this like extremely heady conversation about death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, that, I mean, I mean, that's the. I think if I had like five ten minutes to show somebody, that's mm-hmm. the like five ten minutes I would I would show somebody. Dude, dude, can I can I just segue into our next bit because that that that's gonna dovetail exactly into what I want to say? Because at first, on my first viewing, I didn't particularly care for the graveyard sequence, and it wasn't until these more recent viewings, um, like you said, you watched it twice, or we may have mentioned that you watched it a couple times off yeah. this week. I, I did as well. Um, I really grew a deeper appreciation for this because. What you caught right right at the start, which I'm a complete fucking idiot, it didn't really occur to me, but this isn't really about Nikki visiting his mother at all. And it's kind of tangentially related to like keeping someone close to him that he knows, you know, what, like like Mikey. It, it, but like you said before, it's it's really about um, uh, Nikki's proximity to death and, and him starting to kind of put words to what's going to happen to me after this and in my relationship to death and, and getting his perspective on, on his relationship to death. Um, Cause he feels like he's so close to it. Yeah. I, I uh, that didn't, it didn't really, it, 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 if I'm being honest, a lot of this, obviously this is, uh, uh, so if uh, the, some of the history about the writing of this um, script is, is Elaine May wrote this even before I believe she joined Second City or her or her partnership with Mike Nichols. This is a script that she had started way back when she was maybe 16 or, or in that ballpark because she oh, knew wow. a couple of these guys. I guess her family in some way or another was um, uh, neighbored with with a certain uh, uh, mobster element. I'm not, I'm not sure how deep her family got into it, but okay. she knew these two people in her childhood and wanted to write, you know, was was, uh, was, was enthralled, wanted to write about them, uh, so forth and so forth. Uh, but she kind of came at it in certain ways like a one-act play, and some of it reads like a one-act play. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and this sequence to me, when I first saw it, kind of, felt like the one act play like we just kind of need to spin our wheels a little bit or, or until we not, not even that so much but this is more of you know this is less this is a visual medium and this is less visual and, and a lot of talking back and back and forth yeah. and i didn't yeah. necessarily feel the significance at first on on these more recent viewings it is a sequence that i've, I've, I've uh, come to appreciate a, a great deal um and and love a lot but uh yeah i do um uh, I, I'm glad you you found an appreciation for the scene as well. Can, can so in, I, in that, yeah. Oh, I was, please, please, oh, no, no, go, please, ahead. go ahead. Uh, I was gonna, I was no, gonna say I in, that, in that different question. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in in that spirit, uh, what did you catch in this viewing that you hadn't noticed before, or, or did you have anything like that? Perfect. Perfect. So I wanna I wanna bring this up to you here, and and and, and it kind of gauge your reaction to it. I think as Mikey is on the bus, this is also written into the script. Uh, his line reading of it, um, Peter Falk delivers it brilliantly. Like where they're kind of playing like. Uh, the hot hands game and he's like smacking he's like you know yeah. you know where am i going to read he's like uh, he's like you're gonna go with me he's like uh, i'm going with you you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah. i truly believe at that midpoint that mickey was was reconsidering setting mickey up and and, and really that thought about getting trying him to out get of him town to- and it wasn't until he humiliates him with the girl that that's when he was like all bets are off and i'm, I'm curious if that if that rung true to you in this performance i never really no i agree yeah. i agree yeah because i i think there's another moment where I think it's it's either earlier and like in the middle, but it's before this the bus scene for mm-hmm. sure. Where um Mikey just kind of mutters to himself 
why don't you run, you son of a bitch, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, at the that. end, yeah, where he's banging on the door, and he's like, what, what, like run, you Oh, schmuck. that's where, the, yeah. yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah. what it is, at the end. And so I, I think it's, like, kind of in that same spirit of, right. like, he's, like, he's he's helping him or he's helping them track him right. this whole time because that's what he's supposed to do right but i think the way he's self-justifying it is he's saying like if i can get him to just leave town mm-hmm. then i can report that he left town right and he left town and it's a way you know i did right. my job and he got away safely and everybody right. gets away so, like that that's the like self-justification that he goes through to to get himself to go to then like follow along with the right. plan here and, and yeah i do I, that was my read too in on the bus is that he's genuinely uh, like right. committing to trying to get him out of town yeah and like now he's like committing to putting himself in danger more right. than he was uh planning on right and then it's when he you know does the 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 shit in, in the train wreck <laughs> scene uh yeah, we men. Uh, uh, um, when he when he pulls the shit, then then he that's when he's like, okay, I'm not sticking my neck out for this guy anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, the, right. totally. Um, um, here's one thing that I I uh, just a small bit that I giggled at yeah. on my second viewing. Yeah. Uh, is when Nikki is uh trying to pitch him on going to the midnight movie theater mm. uh, the ice cream <laughs> he's pitching him like uh, yeah the, all the like you know concession whatever and then he's like they got 15 minutes of coming attractions oh, right. and i'm like that's a feature it's so funny to think of like we can look yeah. up trailers on youtube and we're so inundated with like mm-hmm. the marketing that like mm-hmm. now the the feature is like oh they only show two trailers right. you know that's like alamo draft right. or whatever it's like they right. only show two trailers. no commercials only no, trailers. no fucking no nicole kidman right. giving you a speech because <laughs> we need that we need that we love this Thank you for being the true heroes. We it, that used to be a feature, and now it's a bug. That's funny. So, uh, what annoyed bother you on your first viewing that you've come to forgive, McGee? It's such an ugly fucking movie. Yeah, is the um, is it the grain, or do you feel like it's literally the compositions? Like she doesn't, she it, isn't really making the out of focus. The shots yeah, that are just blatantly are. out of focus. Yeah. The the smudges on the there's like handprints and smudges on the right. glass. Like you can the, tell the continuity is is almost non-existent. <laughs> I mean, so I don't, I don't give a, does, that, does that bother you? Continuity never bothers me. I mean, okay. the like cigarettes constantly are jumping all over the place, mm-hmm. and like. It's a little annoying, but that's not the kind of thing that is mm-hmm. important to me at all. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with the like, it's like uh, a Harrison Ford quote about Star Wars where he's like, if they're looking at your hair, kid, then we got bigger fucking problems. Right. Like, right. Uh, like, yeah, like a continuity doesn't bother me like that, but mm-hmm. it, it's the like, there's like times where they're leaving out a door and you just see 10 handprints mm-hmm. of the 10 takes that they've gone out this door before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like little shit like that. That's mm-hmm. annoying. Like just ruin it. All of the work that you did in the improv to get the scene to feel natural with the actors mm-hmm. is completely ruined by the lack of attention to detail in the environment. Mm-hmm. And it's like you spent all of, you wasted all of that effort, you mm-hmm. know, like you, you, you took, put all of that effort into the performance mm-hmm for the for you on the set and mm-hmm. like without thinking of like 
the visual fidelity of like how the audience is consuming right. it and like I, I mean whatever like you're asking yeah. your audience to meet you halfway that's fine and i don't think you're wrong i think you're um i don't think you're wrong but 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 i think it there's an element between there's, there's a chemistry and there's a spark between them that I'm not paying attention so much to that. Like I'm really drawn. Like, it, some, it it works beautifully when it works, but there's just the the moments, the moments where that the, it doesn't. And I'll like, told, it's yeah. like you hit the brakes so hard that my head bounces off the dashboard, and that's where I'm like, okay, that you know, that's where I mean, like I, I know it was a staple of the '70s, but but part of that bump in the head and just like like not attention to detail, but also maybe a sign of the times is, is like the light flinty jazz score that's happening as uh, John like, towards the latter third of the film is jazz. Uh, John Cassavetes is like running through the streets and there's like, the, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, like like stuff like that kind of really tears me out of the moment or, or really under yeah. uh, undercuts the, the uh, drama of the moment. Totally. Um, I, I really, I, that's a, a note I have later is that I, I really love the lack of score in most of the scenes. Yeah. And I, I noticed the, Oddly enough, they use the score most of the time when they're doing a fake out, when it's like a, when oh, it's somebody running that they're chasing some, right. that's, that they think is Nikki yeah. and it ends up not being Nikki is right. like when the score gets really big and broad. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to inspire you into right. emotion. Right. Leave so the I, witness I do, a little bit. It, yeah. So I kind of, I appreciate that. Like, I do totally get what you're saying. I think that those, those uses are probably some of the weakest elements. Right, right. But there, I do think that she's using it surgically enough to like try and shortcut you to an emotion mm -hmm. without shooting a whole chase sequence. Yeah, because I, they yeah. they obviously did not have the capacity or ability to shoot a chase sequence. <laughs> oh. Like, I mean, you can't if you can't shoot a fucking if you can't like you know coherently shoot the geography of two people sitting at a table like you're not going to shoot a car but there's so like, much life in, in in between that i'm not you you oh, made it's fine it's fine right, right. i'm no, just no, saying I, like yeah yeah it's it's you I, you it's, you didn't right. buy a ticket to mm -hmm. to to see her action choreography right, like right. you bought a ticket to see uh these two men yeah. like live out the, a very personal relationship uh yeah it's just i just don't it it is the kind of thing where, you know, I I I will get into it later, but it's like, uh, I don't like this movie, <laughs> but I don't, I you know, I liked watching it. I had fun. Uh, We're gonna it, have fun, a, kind of breaking it down, but not not a not something you're gonna throw on. <laughs> it's not something I throw yeah. on, and it's not something that like I feel like there's nobody that I would recommend this movie to that hasn't already seen it. You know, like the people who I would recommend this movie to are people when I when I as soon as they pop into my head is they would like this. I'm like, they've already watched this yeah. movie for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I can definitely appreciate that. Like, like I said, it's not it's not going to be for the faint of heart. And, and by and large, like I would have never I, like I said, I saw this in 2017 and, and all our, you know, in the last five years, I've never brought it up <laughs> between the two. But I'm like, now that I have a captain, a captive audience and he has to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to talk about this. Hell yeah, scene. Hell yeah. that's so the point like, of the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, going, yeah, we're gonna make it watch on this one. I love it. But, but like, I love you, it. like you, said, like I, I, I think as much as it hurts my soul, <laughs> he doesn't like the movie. I think there is a part of me that's like, like I understand. Similar to the same thing we were saying with Babylon. It's like I'm not gonna watch this. And be like, really? You don't, you don't see how this is? It's like, yeah, dude. Like, you, you, some of the subject matter is really, really. No, even even if it's not faint of heart, it's just like it, it's unpleasant. And I think that was perfectly put. What you put? 
by you earlier in the episode. It's just like, it's, it's really unpleasant characters. I, I think your mileage is going to vary for some of that unpleasantness. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You're not. You, I, I was just jumping in because I love what you're saying. Uh, yeah. But I, I think that the unpleasantness of the depiction of the characters is actually, is what I, I would count that. Oh, is it as a plus? A, really? as, a, as a plus. To oh, the really? Movie. Okay, nice. Because nice. I think that the movie well, doesn't really. Which... Oh, you mean just the craft of it? Is I, so I ugly just mean to look the at, movie like the... is like explicitly like ugly. Yeah, of a, I, like it, I see it what looks saying. cheap and bad. Uh, okay, and okay. then when you read the behind the scenes of like how mm. over budget and expensive yeah. this movie was to make, and yeah. like how wild the decisions that they mm. that like frankly, in like I say they like. How wild the decisions Elaine May would yeah, make to, yeah. that would just like blow up the scenes yeah. and blow up days of shooting, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What are you get? What are you getting out of this?" I, I like, think it was, because uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just like there was like like her asking like streets to get paved yeah. for her, yeah. and like like completely throwing away a day of right. pre lighting because you you know wanted mm-hmm. to change the direction. So you're you know you're you're throwing away a day of pre lighting mm-hmm. and a day that you were planning on shootings to pave the road. Mm-hmm. So you, you know just days and days and days adding on the schedule. They had they shot days without their DP mm-hmm. with somebody who didn't know how to expose the camera, and they got all the film back and it was black. <laughs> like, and they had to throw they had to throw away a day and a half of fucking legend. Film. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just like those, those are the kind of things where it's just like what are you gaining out of being this troublesome because like right. i get that there's part of it where you're getting some manner of performance out of it but mm-hmm. when the final product has shots that are out of focus mm-hmm. and you know just it's just like there's so much shit that it's like this this looks like a movie that you should have shot for like $2 million. It, it, I think it was tops. budgeted at $1 million, one point whatever, and then ballooned into four something, four, four point whatever. Um, I mean, like $2 yeah. million dollars nowadays, you yeah. should oh, get even to shoot now, this yeah, movie. Right, right, right. Like, not you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, not even 70. I'm not even talking like 1970s. The fact that she got a million and like was budgeted at a million and ballooned yeah. up to four yeah. it is insane. It's yeah. insane. Like, and, and so, uh, you know, I wanted to bring this up later, but we're talking about it now part of what they get into in some of the uh, criterion supplement uh, special features is if 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 elaine were a man and we know troublesome directors if she were a man how do you think some of this stuff would have been received does she get more opportunities to work after this her career kind of stalls a bit until um it, it's it's revived by warren Beatty. Uh, i believe it was warren Beatty. but it, how does how does the industry react to some of these, uh, some of her more idiosyncratic behavior on set, are they more forgiving, and does she get better opportunities if she's a man, or is part of it because? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, there's absolutely part of it, like right, like there's obviously like but not the whole thing. You think like there's, there's the element the of it, like thing. like you're there's not just so many and, 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 bad fucking decisions. Dude, so there's I'm just, on your, I'm in your camp. Not to leave, not to, do, but but I almost because when they said that, I'm like, yeah, but if you're this, and you know me. Basically, even on this podcast, if I don't do my homework on something like that, it's a I, I can't. I would feel bad going on set and 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 asking Sean to repave a road, a road because I want to go back in the other direction. You know what I mean? I was expected to say like, "Go fuck yourself, dude!" Like, what are you talking about? We're gonna it's lose. Insane. Like, I, I know, mean, like, the story. You're, gonna, the, like, you're not prepared as a director. I feel like. It, did you did you of, read the or did you hear the story about the rollout yeah. in the cemetery? Where, oh no, I thought you were talking about the AD when the AD yell cut. Like, what's the rollout no. in the cemetery? What? No. So, oh my god! So the 
the the camera operator like loads up thousand foot mag, which mm-hmm. is like twelve minutes. You you know like thousand foot mag, twenty four frames a second. You got twelve minutes of foot. Like that's I, I might be a little bit off right, on that. But generally, whatever, but that's like, what we. But like at. you you know exactly how much fucking time you have when you're shooting. Right. And like Cassavetes is a director, so he knows exactly mm-hmm. how long a take you can mm-hmm. shoot on one can of film. Right. So they're shooting a take in the in the cemetery and the the camera operator like taps elaine on the shoulder and is like hey like oh you have, I did you have one this. minute and she just you have one to- minute of film left <laughs> yeah. and she's like cool like keep rolling right. and that's that's normal like we, it's called a rollout so yeah. you're like when you're shooting on film you have a you know a limited amount of film in the can mm-hmm. and generally you you know you know want to cut before you get to the end of the can but sometimes you know that you're going to roll out you know you're going to just let it go to the the end of the can so you like are the operator's ready for the rollout or whatever the the camera rolls out he looks at Elaine and he's like hey like right. there's no more film in the can like let's cut and she's yeah. like don't you dare cut like this is still which like i get whatever you mm-hmm. want you want the actors to keep working through it maybe mm-hmm. they find something mm-hmm. that's cool and then you use that and do it again once the cameras reload like right. that's t- perfectly reasonable mm-hmm. where it it accelerates into like a holy shit what is going through your mind there mm-hmm. she just keeps rolling lets them just continue shooting the scene Cassavetes breaks character at some point and says like hey <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the cameras aren't rolling anymore, right? right, right. And Falk, Peter Falk, the legend that he is, is like, well, uh, what do I know about cameras? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, just like completely still in character. But Please the, uh, the voiceover fuck- for Peter Falk. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the fucked up part of the story is that in the edit bay, Elaine is like, I have all this missing footage. Like, where are these reels? Right. I know that I got this coverage. And the, the DP had to be like, yo, you, right. that was after the rollout. Like, I told you, right. hey, you're not getting any of this. And she right. just like, it just didn't click with her. And mm-hmm. it's like, how do you how do you put? two million dollars in the hands of somebody who right. doesn't understand when the camera rolls out and i tell you we're not getting this anymore you're right. not getting this anymore right, right and it's like i i get that like you're so absorbed in the moment and absorbed in your art and like trying to do a very special thing but like you have to be in touch with reality because you have a four million dollar production mm-hmm. and a bunch of people's jobs in your hands yeah. uh and like so you have to have at least like one foot in reality right. uh, like you don't have to have both feet you should have one foot in fantasy land too that's fucking right. cool that's what it takes to be a director right, you gotta have right. a unique vision and, and a, right. a skewed perspective on things for sure but like also you're you're running you're in charge of the money for a lot of fucking people's jobs and like yeah. It, it's, 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 just, a, it's irresponsible to an extent it, it's disrespectful I mean? it's a it, it, it's you know like yeah but but i also don't think she's alone and i think hollywood no. has been forgiving to to Definitely certain, like Kubrick. You know oh, I mean? absolutely. Like, like, like Kubrick, the tourists were just like, well, oh, this is when it's due. Okay, well, I'll give it to a year and a half you know, after this point. Yeah. And, and just fuck it. You know what I mean? Or the, you, you allotted me this amount of money. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to need this to finish it up. So I, I, I can, it really, but on the same token, you're not going to find smudges on a door in Kubrick's film. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. if, if he's going to, if we're going to do this, the attention to detail is is, is you, you know you're I guess getting some of your money's worth or or it's it's gonna 
And like you could argue that you're getting your money's worth in the relationship and the and the, I feel the, that the, that's my fit. defense. Yeah, I totally I I, yeah. I I I think that that is a defendable position to take. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it, I I just it it gets to the point where I not to like be like oh like you should be a flagship for all women directors and yeah. be more responsible with your position. Like no fuck that. You should make the art you want to make. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna hold that against her. I don't mm-hmm. think that she was wrong in any of the decisions she makes. I think she's was pure in the decisions that she made as an artist. And I think that that is commendable and respectable. I, but the, at by the same token, I totally understand the producers looking at her and trying to decide what number to put on a check and being hesitant after right. their working relationship with the, her yeah. on this movie. Yeah. It, it, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, I totally respect you as an artist and your decisions that you made and the piece of art that you made. Mm-hmm. But like you got put in director jail after this and yeah. like, ah, I get it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, let's, let's take this film to the Grover Cleveland's presidential time machine. McGee, uh, does this film work in 20 X six? What do you think? I, I mean, I could see this as like a fun indie exercise. I mean, we'll, I think we'll, I want to talk about this when we talk about our other, uh, like named, uh, bit where we talk about, uh, who we would put cast in this movie in, in different like universes. Mm -hmm. But I could see this as like a fun indie exercise, like, uh, you know, a low budget mob drama. Yeah. That's what I mean where I'm like, you could make this for, for $2 million now mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. with a, a couple of like hot young actors. Right. Uh, and, and do so, or like, you know, whatever. I, I think um, I, I took it more of, does this film work in every time period, every decade? And, and like we brought up earlier, this is Cain and Abel. This is a time, uh, a, a, a story as old as time. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. I was just watching uh, the other night uh, a film called Underground. It's a 1927 silent film, Joseph von Stromberg's uh, directorial debut, and this is literally Nerd. <laughs> this is literally uh, the same thing where two two brothers are, are in, in that film. They're split apart by by a girl, but the, the the slights, the disrespects, the you know the the companionship, the um, the volatile nature of brotherhood, you know, we, we, we tell this story, it seems like every couple of years, uh, social yeah. network in the 2010s, yeah. maybe one, one, of, one of the best versions of that story. So yeah, work, work works all the time and, it, and it's, uh, You're right. always and like goes the, down sweet. It, it literally <laughs> the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it's, if it's a good enough opener for the Bible, I think right. it's a story that we can, yeah. uh, keep telling for a while without getting sick of it. <laughs> Oh, is there something you uh, didn't understand about this film again? Other than why this film was so expensive, no. but I guess I, I guess I kind of answered my own questions <laughs> with the the repaving and the. Uh, uh, well, I mean, again, it's like a a question that I have for it that sort of answers itself is mm. why they didn't credit any of the assistant camera people. Mm. It's like, did they did the assistant camera people ask for their name to be taken off of the movie, or right. were they just such dicks that they didn't uh, credit their ACs? The, I mean, the studio was not. I mean, she she wrestled with him for years afterwards with the edit and who's going to cut. I what know it was so just. I was probably right. The, like the camera department it. only listed the cinematographers yeah. and didn't list. It was like, well, oh, but but I wouldn't be surprised if people were like, just take my name off this. I I don't want to have anything to do with this. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah you know, I, I wouldn't be. That's like, true. Know, that's true. Who knows? Feeling that that was going on in that. So the real the real thing I didn't understand though mm-hmm. is how you can order milk and beer at the same time oh, without somebody yeah, calling the cops. 
wasn't it weird? Like I'm leaving it. I'm treating it like just disgusting, man. Like I just yeah, that's a cry for help by itself, right there. Jesus Christ. What about what about you? Was there anything you didn't understand about the film? There was, and it was the first time that I saw the film. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't necessarily put together that Nikki, or that Mikey was setting Nikki up. Like, so when we mm-hmm. first get the call, when Ned Beatty's calling the B&O bar, I thought that that cut was Mikey calling the airport because he comes back to the table and he says, It's you know, kind of ambiguous, right? right? Yeah, and it's not until the middle, of, and even in the middle of the film, I, you know, he's in the car, he's hunting him down. I, I, At that point, I knew, I'm not sure what I thought. Maybe I thought that he had called Resnick and he had found where the assassin was because he was so hurt by what happened. But it didn't click to me my first time that, oh, he was setting him up right at the start like it was it wasn't yeah. until a few uh, watches after i'm like oh okay like, like, they, like yeah so they, it, they breadcrumb me there, there and that's that's part of the i think the tightness of the script for sure right right i didn't pick it up the first time because i uh, the first time i watched it i was like oh that's cool that they're leaving it ambiguous as to if he's setting him up or not like mm-hmm. i i at least picked up that they were implying that right yes yeah see, i was an idiot <laughs> I was like, what? I, th- I thought it was cool because they they do the. I I think the the conversation at the bar is the first time they make it explicit, or at least the the closest you can come to explicit that uh that Mikey is setting him up. Uh, and th- there's like a couple hints earlier and like implications earlier, but the at the bar when he calls him and tells him like we're going to the movie theater next mm-hmm. is like the clear right. Uh, just the the first clear setup. Nice. Um, speaking of setup, mm-hmm. a priest, a Buddhist, and a rabbi are talking about this film. How do they judge our main character? I guess main characters. I guess, but uh, I think part of this question it's just a pithy way for me to kind of like how do I judge the morality of these people, um, or whoever is being asked the question. In least, at least in my interpretation of it, or how I approach it. And like I've said, like I, I I know when when you when you start to investigate the cycle of damaged people or you're you're kind of raised within that, you then start to I think you're not forgiving is not the right word, but you kind of under you see where a little of the progress is trying to be made from generation to generation. Do you know what I mean? It's not altogether perfect, but you see bits and pieces and strides and, and people trying to get better. Um, mm. Bill Burr has an incredible joke. Bill Burr comedian. If, if you guys have never seen it, I forget which special it's in, but he talks about um, how people perceive John Wayne back then at, at those days. And if you look at a John Wayne uh, video <laughs> into, you know, 2010, yeah. you know, think he's insane. But if you realize that he was raised by, you know, men and women who slaughtered, you know, the native Americans <laughs> and like, kind of like where he took it or something like that. Dude, his parents were part of the generation that finished off the genocide of the native Americans. All right. <laughs> That's who taught him his ABCs. <laughs> you know, A, B, C, D, E, hey, get that savage off my property! Get out of here! I thought we killed all you people! Put a fence around them! H-I-J-K. Yeah. 
<laughs> and who he was raised with. You kind of see how someone gets to this point or yeah. where, where we are. So, so it, it, it's it's hard for me to completely say they are they are indisputably terrible people. You oh know yeah, what I mean? like easily. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That, 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 that's not what I'm. That's arguing. that's my note. Is just unanimously bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I've known. I've known people like that. Like people who, yes. you know, like like my uncles have given me like, you know, raising you as a kid, like here's 20 bucks or something like that when you're a kid or taking you in a game or something like that. And you mm-hmm. don't necessarily know mm-hmm. who this person is. The things is. that click later. Right, you're right, like, right. You know, oh, like, <laughs> well, they were cool to me. Like, shit. <laughs> so it's like, I, I wouldn't, I, and I wouldn't call that person, like that person is definitely flawed or damaged, but I wouldn't necessarily... Um, so it's almost like that, like, it's like you, if you know your proximity to that person is going to, I think, kind of soften your taste. Yes. And I, 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 I totally agree. Like I was also going to bring up the stuff we talked about in Killers of the Flower Moon, even with Ernest, because it's like, I think that the, the, the thing that like Scorsese gets at that's interesting. And I think the thing that's interesting here is like. No one is a hundred percent a monster. Yeah. Even even the most evil monsters right. Right. are kind to someone in their life. Right. Like the 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 most evil, shittiest, mm-hmm. vilest mm-hmm. Henry Kissingers of the yeah. world have yeah. someone my that matter, they love. My murderous matter bag. Or what am I murderous <laughs> magic <laughs> my, bag? Oh yes. My my magic motor bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Even even your your the most evil fucking people in the world have someone close to them that they love and are probably kind to, and mm-hmm. and would look at them and be like, I mean, it's the classic yeah. like serial interview with the right. serial killer's neighbor where they're like, he's the last person <laughs> right. I would have expected, right, right. and you're like, Help well, yeah, that's whatever. My trash out, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's how it works. Right. Uh, so like, I I totally get that. Like, bad people are complicated, and that's mm-hmm. the more interesting version of art is not just a a clear black and white like let's go punch the people who are bad and that'll solve all our problems um but like you know like everybody you know good people are flawed and and bad people have people that they love and care about and Mm. and where did we all land and and where do we all judge ourselves um yeah i mean that's the that's the beauty of art i think the relationship has very relatable qualities Mm -hmm. even while being very despicable people Mm -hmm. i think the the line you gotta i mean the line i have to draw is the sexual violence though Mm -hmm. it's like even even violence Mm -hmm. i can uh justify you know there are times when violence is necessary unfortunately like i'm not a pacifist i you know whatever if you want to come at me with your pacifist uh arguments like i'm I'm more than willing to have my opinion changed as we say in our our opening bit like we're forever students not just a cinema like i consider myself a forever student of life for sure like i'm always willing to listen to arguments but like i'm probably in sean's boat though somebody some people need to get smacked (laughs) some people need to get smacked (laughs) that's how it works chris rock learned Uh, (laughs) 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 but yeah no i but but yeah but that's the like uh, the sexual violence is definitely the line where I'm like, fuck these people, and like, and you know, I'm all right with him getting shot at the end a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's ultimately, I think, mm-hmm. where it, it, it's very interesting. I think, but you you kind of alluded to that, and when you were talking about that scene, 
uh, being important to you and, and mm. the depiction of how that, that scene like breaks down mm. uh, and then the, you get to revisit the consequences of it, which yeah. is, is really interesting. I love hearing that. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, that's something that Elaine may brings to this script. That's like really, really fascinating, especially with her like comedy uh, background. Um, I this think- is almost kind of similar. Uh, I'm sorry to just make the comparison really quick, but when we were talking about Jordan Poole, Coming off of uh, Kim Peel and Keanu, yeah, 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 and then yeah, making yeah, something yeah, yeah, completely yeah. like divergent, like this is very similar to where. Like, no, you're absolutely yeah, right. I'm, I love yeah. that you jumped in with that. Like that's yeah. a great fucking point because uh, that's a that's a absolutely like, and, and I think that that's the like you know it when you really you have to understand people to understand how to make them laugh, and then when you understand people that intimately, and you want to start that you know exploring the uglier side of of people then then there's there's some some special insights that those you know those artists have uh, yeah. it's, it's something that's that's interesting that she brings to the table here for sure absolutely all right let's uh let's throw it to a break and we'll get into our under the lights hi sean here this is an ad break or rather it would be if we had advertisers personally i worked in advertising for almost a decade and i'm in no rush to sell dick pills or subscription boxes but if you want to support our fledgling podcast, there are better ways to support us at the moment. Follow us on your podcast service of choice. Leave us a nice review. Find us on social media at Make Me Watch Podcast. You know how this goes. At this point, though, in my opinion, the most important thing that you could do to help us out is to send an episode to a friend that you think might like it. Maybe send it to someone that you want an excuse to talk to more. Help us turn this into a little community. Give us feedback. You know, and if you really want to send us money. We do have a Patreon. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, coming back to our multiversal casting couch of madness. What is a performance that works in every universe? Or uh, what is a casting choice that you would have liked to see in an alternate reality? What you got? So reading the script, uh, I found this is one interesting bit because she doesn't call out a lot of actors in certain roles, but she does write when she first uh, introduces Ned Beatty as the killer, she writes in parentheses, Robert Duvall. So I wonder oh! if she, yeah, I wonder if she had it. Obviously she had her head as Robert Duvall. Uh, but Duvall I, would have been so yeah, good in this. Yeah, right? Just the, the venom. <laughs> right. Like, the, would have seen a the lot annoyance. Less, like, and and uh, I'm going to bring this up a little bit later, uh, but and then um, uh, just spoil my, who has this on their DVD shelf, Quentin and Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. Uh, have another podcast, the Video Archives podcast, and they covered this film in that podcast as well. Oh, cool! And they um, uh, they kind of bucked up a little bit against um the back of the DVD cover. The back their their big thing too is they read the back of the VHS cover, um, and that you know part of the shtick that they're in a video store. So this is kind of I love it. I love yeah. it. And oh they, hell yeah! I'm gonna check out this podcast. Yeah, now. This <laughs> is a good little uh, good little commercial for their podcast. But they uh they buffed they bucked up against describing Ned Beatty as bumbling. Oh, he's 1,000% fucking and, and, and bumbling. I, and I kind of was like, uh, and, and I think part of it is because he is a bigger man and we associate bigger men who are kind of confused or, or turned around as, as a bit of bumbling. Maybe it's unfair to think of him as that way, but I think if you have Ned Beatty, or not Ned Beatty, if you have uh, Duvall in that role, It'd it's be a totally lot, different. Yeah, he's, he's, he's more, you can tell he's confused, but he's still dangerous. Because I don't yes. necessarily get, I, I understand she wants to make this like this contract killer is, is almost a you know he's punching a clock he's not making very much he's he he's, yes. he, he could be a teamster do you know what I mean like I just do totally. this. but I think when you add the element of 
how he looks, it makes him feel a little less dangerous and a little Even, bit more silly. In a, I, I think to give Ned Beatty some credit, like I think his performance in, and I think his casting in this mm-hmm. movie it is makes this role funny. Mm-hmm. Where I think if Duvall, I, I absolutely love Robert Duvall in everything I've ever seen him in. He's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite actors. Uh, I I don't think that Duvall in this movie would be funny at all. Oh, I I think he would be so intensely frustrated with everything that's happening (laughs) that it would like on a meta level, like him just having to shoot on set. (laughs) Oh yeah, and like and that would boil over into the character's frustration, and to the point where instead of getting a relief from the tension in the scenes when you cut to the hitman, because you have you have you know you have a very boiling right. tension that rises in each scene as yeah. the chaos of their relationship grows and then right. it, it it has this roller coaster up and down vibe right. and she she cuts away to uh you know Ned Beatty's hitman as a as a almost like a comedic relief to like let off a valve that releases some of the pressure of right. the tension on the movie like yeah. and because he's so fucking funny i mean down to and, and this is where i think it's funny that you say that on the script level it was Duvall because yeah. I think that th- there had to be a hard pivot into this choice of having Ned Beatty and making it uh, more comedic. Right. Because like having his, the he drives a fucking car with one, <laughs> one headlight, headlight out. I love that. I love that. I so love much. that's it's yeah. like if you've done any amount of crime in your <laughs> yeah. life, you know that that's the <laughs> stupidest fucking hitman. So right, right away I brush against Tarantino saying that this is not bumbling because there's no way you the choice of having one headlight out is so deliberate of like you you no no hitman would be so stupid as to drive around a like pull me over flag like having one headlight out like i'm sorry that is a man who's never done crime in his life (laughs) i uh i don't disagree i i I think that's kind of funny. Not to tattle on myself too much here. But. <laughs> but I think that's right because you're you're you know you're looking to get pulled over. I've been pulled over uh, for like leaving out a gas station without my headlights on. You know what I mean? Just not even like immediately, like, woo, woo, yeah. You know, immediately. And it's like so if if you're uh if you got a you know a gun in the car and it's got bodies on it, that's that's not the way you want to. And then <laughs> he just, the he gets fucking lost. <laughs> right. He's like, I love the like. The, second, him arguing second, with his whatever. boss when he's like, "Did you go inside the theater?" Oh. And he's like, <laughs> uh, "Meisner." And his delivery of that is like, "What? What do you? What do you think they're gonna shoot you in the theater?" <laughs> he says that. He's yeah, it's mob boss, but it's like a mob boss of five year olds yeah. where he's just like, "What does my life become that I have to say the words that I'm about to say?" <laughs> but did you go inside the theater? <laughs> And I like his his, his like, it, it is really like do you like the, have to use the potty right, before right, we right. go like and that's the tone that he says it with like so good it's great so yeah I totally fuck that it's he's bumbling as shit and I and I think it's intentional and it's great uh, Joyce Van Patten um, I don't necessarily have will she work in every universe or anything like that but I just wanted to she said a little bit in the um, in her interview on 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 the uh, on the DVD uh, where she described herself personally and some of the roles she would get. 
and she plays the um uh, uh she plays uh Mickey's oh what is it Mickey Squeeze it's like girlfriend yeah his girlfriend squ- right. mistress right you know uh, it's she- the train wreck scene as we <laughs> as we have coined it uh, Joyce Van Patten describes herself as a hard luck girl which is a phrase I just uh, I love where she says she doesn't believe herself to be one but she's she's been married three times so make of that what you will quote unquote uh, to where. Oof. Sorry, girl. What I find what I find interesting is in the defense, the defense of these women. What am I trying to say? Mikey and Nikki and the women that they're going to attract are going to be of a certain ilk and have a certain flaw in it themselves. And and Joyce in the way she plays a very secure is not the right word because she's 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 very actually she's she's um. She she plays it with a certain with a certain um depth of character. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where she is willing to subject herself to this humiliation because she she there is an affection there for Nikki. But there's a strength of character in there. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's there's and it's it's a complicated too. It's like we were talking earlier about like you know it's it's not a purely good or a purely bad right. character. Like she's obviously, you know, in this world with these seedy people, and mm-hmm. you know what has forced her into this world is maybe a, enough of a backstory for its own movie. That yeah. would, you know, like to it, it really does. Like she has a depth of character that mm-hmm. you, you I you know you could watch a fucking solo movie about like the shit that she's been through and why yeah. she's in this world and the shit that she has to deal with. Like, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think it's an interesting performance in comparison to another movie that we've talked about, uh, after hours, um, uh, uh, Terry Gar's oh, right. uh, character in with after the, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where with she, she, yeah, 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 exactly. She plays the, the waitress in after hours that the, the main character kind of like, has as a a reprieve that he like retreats to and then he like tries to go out and do his own thing then he eventually ends up having to come back to her and so it it has a similar vibe where you get to see her Mm -hmm. uh, multiple signs and the the evolution of her night versus the evolution of the protagonist night in the scenes uh so it's interesting to compare that scene yeah with this scene especially that scene from a perspective you know, a, a male filmmaker's perspective of a right. night from a male perspective. Oh, that's interesting. Versus this, fem- it's a very yeah. similar wow. scene, but now it's from a female filmmaker's perspective, and it's so much more just disgusting <laughs> yeah. and brutal and yeah. awful. And, and not to say, and I'm not saying sequences. that like Scorsese's like making a sleazy thing sexy or anything like that. Like he's not doing anything lurid like that in, in After Hours. But it, it's so much interesting how much of a similar vibe and a similar scene that these both filmmakers are trying to capture and and how totally different directions they take it. I didn't I didn't even it didn't even occur to me how, how similar those two sequences I, are. I'm not gonna lie, it occurred to me while you were talking. I no, literally no. I was literally looking up the the name of that actress so that oh, I could right. pull it up for that. Uh, did not have that written down. That was off the dome. I like that. Uh, is there a perf- oh I actually sorry I have some so for my my I was thinking I took I take I take this question a totally different route I was thinking of like if a different filmmaker made mm-hmm. this movie because uh, you know like this is uh, a kind of a crew of friends making mm-hmm. this movie 
Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, uh, John Cassavetes mm-hmm. and uh, Peter Falk, and Peter Falk have you know make movies and are and are close friends in real life, and mm-hmm. and they're uh, in the same circle as Elaine May, and so they kind of roll together. I it it made me think of another filmmaker that we've referenced before, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Jarmusch. Oh, uh, we, we've we've okay. referenced Ghost Dog. Yeah, yeah. But Jim Jarmusch has a similar like kind of roster of actors that he right. works with. I could totally see a this being a Jim Jarmusch movie with like uh, John Lurie and Willem Dafoe. Uh, I mean, I I could see both of them in in either role. It would be great. But in a more modern way, I would love to see. I think that this would. I could see a movie with this setup being a really good like small budget Netflix bullshit movie. In the mm. same like, what was that movie with uh uh John David Washington and Tenet? uh what's her name? Um, oh, uh, Zendaya. Um, yeah, they, they did a movie together that was like oh, a hotel. It's yeah. one of those like hotel. I mean, this is a hotel room movie. Right, There's like right, hotel right. room movies that could be a play too. You know, that feels like it could be a one act. Exactly, like, it's yeah, movies yeah. that take place like mostly in hotel rooms right. and streets, right. and could totally be a play. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see like Andrew Garfield and Paul Dano, mm-hmm. or like uh, why why Dano in in. in... Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know. Those, I'm just like riffing. Why did, why did your mind? Okay, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, mostly because I think those are those, I mean, those are easy. Andrew Garfield is a really empathetic actor. He's. I mean, every line delivery he has is like he's on the verge of tears. Yeah, yeah. So I think like him just being in a constant nervous breakdown is an easy uh, uh, comparison with, with John Cassavetes' right. performance in this right. movie. Um, but... Uh, I mean, like Robert Pattinson maybe is another like easy choice. What's the female version of this one? What do you think? Ooh. Like who, who is is there? Um, I'm, I'm, That's a really Kinnear. good call. What do you think about Kinnear and um, Roberts, Julia Roberts? I hate Julia Roberts. Do you really? I'm not gonna lie. I my favorite. Wait, I'm. I don't know. I I I just. I mean, okay, hold on, hold on. Um, she, she's, she's. I've, I've not found. I, I'm not gonna go as far. You know as who to I say love? Hate, but I'll, I'll always have to, uh, Macy Gray. If you, if you ever seen Training, Training Day, <laughs> should I put Training Day on your list? I love Training Day. Okay, no, cool. Training, right, training Day. I mean, we can talk about Training Day. That's cool too. Okay. Uh, Macy Gray and Angela Bassett. No, no, no. Wait, I'm Viola sorry, Davis. Macy Gray. I love Macy Gray, dude. Like she's, she's she, been. In, she's been. I in don't a even few remember things. her in. Remember, she's she's the when when Alonzo goes and breaks into the house. Like she goes into, her, he goes into her house without the warrant, or he thinks she thinks it's a warrant or something like that. And she's sitting on the couch and she's like waiting, you know, sitting on the couch. She's like waiting for him. He's like, well, let me see that warrant. Let me see that warrant. Um, she's incredible in that, but she's also been in like some terrible hood movies where she's like the best like part oh, of wow. that movie and I just like, like she can genuinely act in a way that I just was like wow like blown away like she, she's um she's genuinely great to me so uh, Macy Gray maybe Viola I could see okay hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can see hell yeah. Yeah, yeah um I was Nikita uh, what, what, and Natalie that's <laughs> what Okay, I could see. I mean, that's a, that's actually honestly like that's almost like a fucking layup. That's a really. Yeah. I should have had that. I should have said that one. Shit, oh that's really good. I had a uh, uh, Mahershala Ali. Ooh, and who? Uh, I mean, if you wanted to make it black, then you right. would go like Jonathan Majors or or Michael B. Jordan. Jonathan Majors. I think. 
He's young. I, I, How old is Mar- Marsha? Like, Mar- Marsha is like 40. How old is Majors? I think he's like 30. He's our age, right? He's like 35. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, Mar- you're like Mar- a little bit. Mar- Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I think, yeah, Mahershala's a little older than us. Uh, and, and like MBJ and Jonathan Majors are about the same age, I believe. Like you know who uh, I was with? Lenny James. You know, do you remember Lenny James? Like, did you ever see Snatch? Or, um, oh, yeah. Like Lenny, or he was in Blade Runner 2049, too. Like, he was the, he was the dude that he's the, owned he's the, the children. Like, he, yeah, he yeah, ran yeah. the children. Like that. I always love Lenny James. Um, he's really good. I yeah, like him. Super solid. That, he, would, he would be fun to know. Lenny James sure. and Mahershala, I could see. Like, that, that could be. That could no, be actually, the phenomenal. two names that I put together, I, I, I had Fassbender and Mahershala. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yes. like right, green light right. that immediately. Bam, <laughs> I like Done. that a lot. Twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. That's awesome. Fassbender, Mahershala. That's awesome. I like What's, that. Yeah. Um, is uh, if you were dropping in the sh- let, let, if you were dropping in the shoes of a main character, how does this movie play out from there? Uh, Sean, could you set up a friend? Is <laughs> basically what I'm asking you. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm so I'm such yeah. a stubborn like my. Uh, my fucking ethics above all else. Like I'm, I'm, I'm eating a bullet before I'm setting up a friend for sure. Even though I, I mean, yeah. What I, I mean, ugh, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I, think, I, you know, what? here's what I'll say though. Yeah. I, if I'm, if I'm in that position where I'm having to set him up and I'm trying to like play the line either way, I'm in, I'm in Mikey's position. As soon as that motherfucker broke my watch, I'm shooting him in the fucking head with his own gun. That's like, a, you know, uh, uh, like real talk. Like when I saw it this time, I was like, dude, if I had the gun in my hand, I think I would have gotten mad enough. I would, yeah, yeah, I would have been like, yeah. he, here's your, like, in your the history hand. of yeah, the father oof. and everything like that. Like I, in my head when I was thinking about that, like, so I was like and I think especially, I especially like it makes that. I mean, I I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about it. The like. Mm. The, the story that he gives about his father giving yeah. the watch to his brother because mm-hmm. his brother's destined yeah. to die. Right. And then the mirror of that with him giving it to Nikki when he knows that Nikki's about to die oh, is so fucking huge. I didn't even put that together. Right? Isn't oh, that such wow. a fucking... I, I didn't awesome. see... That's such I did, a yeah, good... I didn't, I didn't think about that. And so for that moment nice. to come... Nice, yeah, brother. so like, yeah. you know, like he... He, that's what the watch represents, right? Yeah. It's like they, literally to him, this watch is a memory of like his dad giving it to his brother when right. he knows his brother is about to die. Right. And then now he carries this around with him. He carries that memory it's around. It's almost a harbinger him. of death, like whoever's gifted. Exactly. It. Yeah. And then the, the, the time he's been carrying yeah. this memory around with him yeah. and he gives it to his friend that he is setting up for death. It's like fucking yeah. Judas's kiss. Like, right, right. Uh, that's poetic, like, dude. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. Uh, it, it's, it's it's incredible. Uh, and then for him to break it, then at that moment is like such yeah. a boiling point of like, fuck you, this is done. Like right. you know, like that's the point where I'm like, yeah, right. like if I'm feeling the weight of that gun in my pocket, I'm like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about what about if you have a hit out on you? When's what's how long do you last in in, in Nikki's shoes? See, I, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm stubborn and I'm introverted, and I think at that point I don't call anybody. I don't think. Like, I, you, don't, I, you, yeah. just, you just, you yeah, just, sit the there with the gun Mikey pointed at the door. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know if I leave the hotel room at that point. Like I, yeah. I probably, I probably try to do it myself. I, and and that, I think that's another I'm too flaw sleepy. with 
<laughs> I'm too sleepy. I get caught right away. I th- I got to take a nap. I can't stay up all night. Like, I think that's part of Nikki's flaw too. Is he needs an audience, and he needs he needs some like he's not comfortable by himself in his own world and his own thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Like he needs somebody to mm-hmm. you know he breaks mm-hmm. into people's doors at night or he you know he's um, God fucking. Yeah. They get to the bar of uh, uh, the, the bar in like exactly. Harlem downtown and he immediately has to you know like grab like they're there to be discreet and conspicuous and he's immediately grabbing some girl and taking her to the bar. Like he can't be without anybody. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're we're two different people. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable. Like, like I would that wouldn't be a problem for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah being like, invisible is <laughs> yeah. actually a skill I have cultivated for exactly. many years. Yeah. Uh, favorite line reading in this one, Sean? I got one now too. So I'm gonna, oh, man. <laughs> I, I just thought of it. I think uh, they'll fire me for fighting inside the bus is is the, <laughs> is, is one of my favorite, especially because the exchange where he says, "Well, we'll go outside the bus then." Right, he goes, right. Okay. That's right outside the bus. <laughs> so funny. Uh, the the dr- dramatic line reading though that I loved was mm. the um uh Cassavetti's Nikki in the in the the cemetery when he's laughing and he says something like, Now that I'm here, I don't know what to do. Oh, right, right. That that's my favorite moment. That, that like I I talked about that scene being one of the scenes I would use to pitch to somebody. Mm-hmm. I think like that that would be like where I cut it off. You know, I wouldn't make him watch the whole thing. I would like go up to that point because that when he gets to that moment is so like I don't know. It's just it's just a beautiful like I I don't know. I I've been there too of like you're you're at the end of your rope and you're just like okay I'm making plans like if I just do this next thing I'll be okay. If I just do this next thing I'll be okay. And you you get there and you hit the point and you're like oh. Uh, I, don't, I didn't really have a plan for anything after this. Like, I did, you know, like just that that brief moment of like, oh shit! Like, right? I am, I am really just spinning my wheels here, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, like that self realization is is brutal to watch depicted on scene, and, and Cassavetes, I think does a great job of it. I also want to um, piggyback off that too. I have two lines. I'll give the funny one first. Uh, I love when Ned Beatty is in the room with Resnick, and he's like, "You know, I, I bet if I followed you around for twenty four hours, I, you know, I'd find him." When he's <laughs> and then uh, like a uh, Falk's line to that, where he's like, "You know, I'm glad you told me because I really respect your mind." <laughs> oh my god, that's so fucking fun! I really, I'm glad you told me your opinion on that because yeah, I really respect your mind. mind. It's so like the Perfect. most I've ever seen yeah. somebody just get nuts. <laughs> punched yeah. verbally just like <laughs> perfect uh the other one the the uh the dramatic one is taken from piggybacking off your scene this this happens on page 69 of the script um it really surmises i i feel like you know my, my relationship with someone close that I, that I lost earlier this year just like those relationships that you have with somebody for a long time and, and particularly from childhood so nick says at the beginning he says um and this is off of uh I forget what word precedes this. I just have the picture of the of the script. Um, so the page this takes place on page sixty nine. I forget what happens on page sixty eight. But essentially, Nick reaffirming why they're such good friends, and he says, "Quote um, Nick, yeah, because we remember each other when we were kids. Things that happened when we were kids that no one else knows, um, that no one else knows about, but are in our heads, and that's how we really know they happened." And Mikey says, "Well, I know what really happened when I was a kid. What are you talking about?" And Nick says, "Yeah, but no one else knows. You know what I mean? Like everyone else we knew as a kid is dead." I think that's the reason we're such good friends. 
because we remember each other from when we were kids. Things that happened when we were kids that no one else knows about but us. It's in our heads. That's how we know they really happened. What are you talking about? I know what really happened when I was a kid. Yeah, but no one else does. I mean, everyone we knew when we were kids is dead. So what? I still remember what happened. And I tell Andy about a lot of things that happened to me when I was a kid. And she enjoys listening to that. Well, you don't know what I mean. Well, of course not, because I'm stupid. Oh, I... Um, there's something about we know because we have that shared memory or something like that. Yeah. And when that, it's... um. I don't know, that that line really speaks to me. It's like things that happened when we were kids, no one else really knows, but we know because they were in our heads and we know how that happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love, it's a I love shared reality. Like, yeah. you know, like the, it's it's tough because memory is so pliable and right. so right. so distorted that like having somebody else to to reinforce it for yeah. you is, is really helps to make it real. Right. And and losing touch with that is yeah. such a huge thing. Like that that's why like Family and community is mm. such a, a such an important thing, and, and 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 why when that gets taken away from people and it's such a tragic thing yeah. it, is that like really like being grounded in that history is yeah. is being grounded in reality and 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 losing that and losing that to isolation, losing that to whatever, like having that taken from you is yeah. is fucking tragic. Beautiful. Like, I, no, I I I I love that. That's a that's great. Yeah. Let's throw it to a break and we'll get into our uh, behind the lens. As your podcaster of choice, if once weekly make me watch is right for you, proven to reduce time spent ambling through streaming services and alleviate dull commutes. Follow along our shot for shot segment on your social media platform of choice with links provided in the show notes. Make me watch. You will. Contact us if you observe any of the following reactions upon exposure. An overwhelming desire to suggest a film, a burning need to correct our pronunciation, or excessive pocket change. Special thanks to Nick and Jay Shoot, Mike from Fail in Hollywood, and Adam from Potter Together. Additional music provided by Kevin McLeod. Full credits in the show notes below. So, I mean, you can use this part, and we're in the break right now, but I think yeah. that this is this is worthy about talking. But, like, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough movie to watch, and mm-hmm. it's not always a fun movie to watch, but yeah. it's a good movie and it has interesting things to say about people yeah uh we're about to get into the i mean we're going behind the lens now i'll just bring it back from the break Mm -hmm. we can we can come into this hot but yeah yeah. uh we'll get into some of the stuff about the behind the scenes stuff that is honestly probably colors my reaction to this movie more is like my relationship with the film industry Mm. and films like this and films that wanted to be this (laughs) uh and then that probably colors some of my reaction to it, but I do think that this is a beautiful piece of art mm-hmm. and and a beautiful depiction of of you know friendship and and the complications of, of realities of mm-hmm. of living through and in in gaining trauma and comp- yeah. you know history shared mm-hmm. history all the stuff we've been mm-hmm. talking about like yeah I, it is a deeply uh, m- uh, a movie for people in their thirties I feel yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone in their twenties has been has en- enough, mm-hmm. unless you've known somebody from like the day you were born and right. you've been going through the shit the whole your whole goddamn life. Like right. I feel like this is a movie for some, like people that have accumulated history, yeah. and there's just a certain age that you have to be to maybe appreciate everything that this movie's saying. That's well put, definitely well put. Um, shot for shot. So we're uh, we're gonna get into some of our favorite shots for the film. Um, 
I picked the uh, infamous train wreck, train wreck sequence that we've been <laughs> talking about throughout the uh, film. And it's specifically the shot of uh, Peter Falk sitting in the uh, in the room um, and Cassavetes uh, on top of Joyce Patton in the uh, living room. And it's played out in the wide. Uh, long after I'm done watching this film, I, I think about this shot. And, and it's the, the primary colors, the red, and I'm going to speak specifically to how that red is affected to me, but the red uh, and, and the yellow that is in the room, like the parallel to to where these two guys are who are like, you know, kind of like bottom feeders, you know, at their base instincts here. Um, red in the color theory sense of the word, you know, a, a strike for intensity of rage. Like Mikey is really stewing in this kitchen with this humiliation. Um, a la Porky Pig, you know, seconds after getting like donked on the head by like Daffy Duck, like smoke and steam. And sitting the on the trash can. Yeah. Like, an improvised, uncomfortable seat. Right. Like, um, you, you can feel him just boiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in, in this room and in the humiliation and in the, um, um, the, the pain of kind of what his friends kind of putting him through a little bit, but also he's not altogether great because there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an element to like lust to this as well. Cause he feels like, well, maybe I, he kind of, he kind of brings it up a little bit. Like he, they're both here to sleep with her. And so there's, I think there's still, and obviously like he goes for it after this, but there's still a little bit of like lust or longing um, red kind of being, you know, the more attractive hue in, in, in our, you know, uh, shared society and human society. Yeah. Red, um, um, there's a sense of, of of lust and passion kind of mixed in with that private humiliation. That, yeah. That's really interesting that I find in the, is the use of that color in that room. Um, I want to bring this up, too, about these two reveals, because we've talked about this and I didn't get an opportunity yet to um, to speak why I feel like this was such a pivotal and brilliant scene. Uh, there are two things. Th- this is there are two things that Mikey I'm sorry, that Nikki plants in both these characters heads that we come to. Uh, uh, have a reveal about one is he tries to convince Mikey that he didn't he wouldn't humiliate him on purpose and we come to realize that that's a lie when him and Joyce are, are in the bedroom and, and he uh, she brings up the fact that I know what you say to these people and uh, and that you told those guys to come over here and he openly admits that um, you know no I'm not mad uh, I, I I you know I don't know why I do that. Maybe I just like to show off. And when she, you know, kind of uh, somebody else requests, um, uh, you know, go to Mickey for help. And he tells her, this is his wife, Jan, at this point, that I've done too much to him. So there, there's silent admissions that he knew that this wasn't a, well, he knows this isn't a prostitute. And, and this is somebody that like uh, kind of cares for him. But he sets her up that way to humiliate, you know, uh, either guys or make himself um, uh, feel I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure what what the psychosis is there, but that that becomes because he he really tries to stress that I didn't do that on purpose or I didn't know. And I think for a moment in in the script, you know, after that happens with the conversation that they have on the street, you kind of try to believe him. Uh, but you tell Peter Falk is, you know, she sleeps with everybody but me. Uh, um, you, you knew what was going to happen up there. You set me up, and and how that was revealed is is a is a weird bit of his psychosis. I think is brilliant. Yeah. The other point too is she. In this scene, after it's done, and she turns on the light, which is another great lighting bit too, because it's plunged in darkness. And then after this, um, after this ends, she turns on the light, and then we're just in the stark kind of reality of what just happened. And she sits on the couch and has a cigarette. Um, when he tells Mikey, you know, go in and try it, like she hears that, and then she hears what he says. Uh, but you're kind of if you're if you're watching, you're really focused on their conversation. But if you 
having to play it back again, you see her reactions to what they're saying, and then yeah. her reveal at the end that you know I, I know what happened. She's or like, I know, I know that, yeah, yeah. That, that you, and then what, what also pains me too is her line reading of, of of Are you mad at me that I told you that I know? And, and, and it's, you know that's so yeah, uh, it's such, such a broken way to approach that. Um, that yeah. you, you really you really sympathize with her in that moment, but um. Yeah. Something I, I love about the shot that you picked out here um, mm-hmm. with him kind of huddled on that little trash can in the corner too right. is like he's he specifically pulls the trash can over in front mm-hmm. of the fridge to sit oh, to there like watch weirdly. A little bit. <laughs> it's like, is he trying to watch or is he yeah. trying to break the line of whatever he's doing? He's making a very specific, like it, it, he might be like trying to keep an eye on it. He might be trying to break the line of the eye contact because if he's at a different point he has a more direct direct line of sight like it's a little ambiguous but he's definitely like specifically choosing to be uncomfortable in order to be in a weird you know in in this specific spot in the kitchen and it's Mm -hmm. like that sort of uncomfortable hanging out while Mm -hmm. you're it's like, is he waiting his turn? Is he just like, right. you know, just biding his time? Why doesn't because... he leave? Like, why Why wouldn't you go downstairs? So like, they're just like, like fuck this. Like, oh. Yeah, and it, well, it's like, you know, he's got to keep an eye on this guy that he's got to track because he's trying to get killed. So Outside like, is the he... door. Go stand down the hall. I know, exactly. <laughs> like, you know no, I, mean? I totally agree. Yeah. But like, that's, that's kind of the weird, right. uh, like, heightened tension of the scene is like, why does he feel the need to just be there like and like and and i do think it's funny too we you know we talked about the relatability of these characters and 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 the morality of these characters like you know i've been in awkward situations where i was trying to wingman for a bud you know not to get too specific in the details but like I've been in an awkward position and I didn't just fucking pull up a chair in the kitchen like right, right. in straight eyesight and be like, right. well, I'm going to watch my boy go to town, I guess. Like, that's not that's weird, bro. Like, it's a weird choice. So you know it's also amazing about that because we keep talking about eyesight. Peter Falk uh, has a glass eye, obviously. It is right. So there's certain shots. Is it glass? Oh, so it's gla- it is a glass eye. Maybe it's a, or- Maybe that maybe it's a prosthetic. I shouldn't say. I don't know I, if I it was glass yeah, or if it was just a lazy. Like I didn't know if it was yeah. his eye or if it no, was. No, I, I think yeah, I, I believe it's a glass eye, famously okay. a glass eye, um, or or some type of prosthetic. Um, but uh, I'm gonna cut that out if I'm wrong because <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely was like, wait, I I, I I thought that was pretty common knowledge, but um, I was, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so there's I certain shots that you know happen. me, I'm uneducated. Yeah. <laughs> There's certain shots that happen to where he's looking and you get to like his one eye is still going. So in that particular shot where he's like leaning back, there's a shot where he's kind of like looking, but his eyes still going straight. <laughs> but his one eye is still like, <laughs> in the sun. Classic. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh you You know, I am sorry. Wait, can I say one more thing? Yeah, really, absolutely. really quick. Because that's um that's Cassavetti's reveal that you know, he is a pathological liar and, and kind of will say anything in the moment to kind of get what he wants. Um, what I love, too, is is uh, Falk's reveal about him not... I think part, if we're talking about why he's still there, I think the one of the damaging things about him, obviously, is he wishes he were Nikki in a way. Like, he wishes he, he was as charismatic. He wishes he, he, he was um, as... He wished he had, you know, the, his his father's favor. He wished he had his boss's favor. In some way, he he wants to kind of uh, mm. have those elements of Nikki. Um, I think part of this is that 
little bit of the the psychosexual like tension that that he's he's, he's kind of looking at a little bit here. Is, I feel I, like that's not as clear as some of the other stuff. Like I get what you're saying. You, and you're probably right. I'm, I'm probably drawing a little bit more. Uh, no, I don't. I don't uh, think you are. Like I have hearing you say that, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, it's like him with. Uh, the girl at the bar, and like right. getting in the fight with the all the dudes, and right. like him. Yeah, the, it is definitely repeated throughout the movie that mm-hmm. like, uh, Nikki is a little bit more charismatic, right? Um, but it's just like when you're watching it, Nikki's so pathetic, and oh, reliant, yeah. and he's yeah. so reliant on Mikey that right. it's like it kind of felt like, especially the first time I watched it, it mm-hmm. felt like it came out of nowhere. The mm-hmm. second time I watched it, not as much. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watched it, I was like, what the... F-? Like, this seems so manufactured because Mikey has been so in charge of everything up mm-hmm. until this point mm-hmm. that for him to suddenly feel inferior mm-hmm. kind of caught me off guard. But I I do think they... they She, they, she, they whatever. Like, right, I, they, right. the movie sets up this point Mm-hmm. better than I had caught on to on my first watching but right. it, it did catch me off guard on my first on my first viewing uh what's interesting in that argument too is, is the um Mikey says a line of you know uh or it actually may have happened in the graveyard where he tells her or he tells uh Nikki you know I tell my wife um, you know my childhood stories, and she likes hearing those stories. Like he tries to reaffirm. <laughs> and then he's completely yeah. full of shit. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, that's that, so great. I never it, picked that like, up. That, I, that, I the, forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, because at the end you realize he doesn't have that connection, even with the the closest person. Yeah, or he he doesn't know if this person likes hearing about him, or or in that way. I totally. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. So it, that, that that kind of reveal of of his his lie or his um. No, I totally, I, that's that's great. I I didn't put those two. Yeah. That's such a great pairing of lines right. that that really speaks to the intricacy of the script. Right. Like you're talking about, like how much of it's actually yeah. written on the page. But right. that's that's a really that's a really cool insight. I didn't yeah, pick yeah. up on I, that. Was actually one of the things I think you know you meant you keep mentioning that that scene with the wife at the end, and like I, I, that didn't hit me as nearly as much uh, at, until hearing you talk about it. I'm like reminiscing about it more, and I've definitely like. You know, whatever we can. This is a little personal. We can cut this out if it is. But like, I think my partner now. That's one of the reasons that I'm with my partner is that I. It's like one of those things that even though it's not somebody I knew as a child, it's somebody that I'm like comfortable with on that right. level. Right. Where I've been in relationships where I'm like, this is a person that I absolutely respect. is a is a beautiful person. is a great person. Uh, like I wish all the best for them, but like. I just don't have that connection where I'm, I feel like talking about stories like this and I feel like connecting with them on that level. Like some, some people you have that connection with and some people you don't. Absolutely. Uh, and, and seeing him try to force that connection right. at the end because he's experienced it with this friend that he's trying to justify discarding. And so that he's trying to like force that interaction with his wife at the end. Like, I, I, I don't think I had even really fully, uh, digested that until hearing you talk about that scene now and it's it's cool like yeah. revisiting it now uh your shot sean oh god damn we're still talking about my shot so my favorite <laughs> shot comes towards the, i know right uh this is i mean it's as much i keep talking shit about this movie it's still a great movie because it's, inspi- <laughs> it's inspiring us to talk right, about right, it this absolutely. much so like it can't be that bad right absolutely uh my favorite shot in this movie comes from an hour 30 in it's the shot that i i took a picture of the screen the first time i was watching the movie uh, it's there. It's um, 
uh, Mikey and the hitman chasing down a rando that they think might be Nikki. Uh, and it's the, the car is on the right side of the screen and you see the silhouette of the yeah. person running and Hell then yeah. the headlights lighting up the brick wall that they're, they're chasing them by. Um, I love this shot. It was gorgeous. I think it's the, the easily the, the prettiest shot in the movie. And then in getting ready for this episode, I was watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. And I thought it was really funny to hear that this was a shot that they, the DP had walked off set because he was so frustrated. Really? And they were shooting without him for like a day and a half. And because the camera operator was like, oh, I got it, whatever it is cool. And they shot this scene with the camera operator and got the film back. And it was just 100% black with two little beads of light where the headlights were because he totally <laughs> fucked up the exposure. Uh, and then they had to go back and reshoot it when once the DP was convinced uh, to come back to set. I so it. I do think it was funny that my favorite shot in the film is one that they tried to get without the DP <laughs> failed and were forced to come back hat in hand and beg. Uh, it's like, yeah, damn right. You needed to beg for him to come back to get this shot. It was great. Respect your camera department. Yeah, uh, respect this, your fucking <laughs> camera department. Respect your fucking crew. Right. Uh, this is like some classic crime drama film noir shit. I love this shot. It's like, great. Like, like yeah, with this, absolutely. Particularly the silhouette. Like the legs, red arms run. Like that could be on a book cover. Do you know what I mean? Like, that could be a title sequence. Yeah. It's some like some Venture Brothers shit. Yeah, like, absolutely. Exactly. I like that a lot. All right. Hit me. Give me that technique. What's your What's your favorite uh, use of craft in this movie? So two things. One, uh, if we're just talking about a, a cut that I liked, it's uh, Mikey and Nikki at the uh, B&O bar and Mikey starts blowing out the smoke ring and then we cut to Falk sitting in the chair and then you see the smoke ring continue and dissipate in his uh, in his frame. So just as two singles that are married together by that smoke ring, I, I just really loved how that cut. Uh, uh, One of the out. few uh, attention to continuity <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Uh, the second thing is on a script level. Uh, it's in the graveyard. And uh, what I didn't realize, um, I'm not even really sure I realized it in the first couple of viewings. But when um, uh, Nikki, you know, is talking to his mom out loud and he goes, you know, hey, ma, if anything happens to me, Mikey did it. And the the explosiveness, the explosive reaction that Mikey er, yeah. uh, has to that and just like, you know, take it back. And you then realize it's because he's setting him up. That he has, a, yeah, and he's like, he knows that he's about to die, and he's like, I don't right. want to get fucking haunted. Right. Like you, you are going to die, and I don't want <laughs> yeah. your mother to blame. Me and for I am, it. and I am responsible for, yeah. <laughs> like mainly responsible. Well, for I it. mean, I think like he, 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 even like you know, at that point, he might hold himself not. You know, he might see this as an inevitability. Like, yeah, because it's not. Like he doesn't he hold himself responsibility. Nikki right. stole the fucking money. Right, the mob right. took the hit out on him. Yeah. But it's gonna happen no matter what. Yeah, he's just got to do his own job so that he doesn't get fucked over in, in the crossfire. Right. Or whatever, right, right. but to then uh, have his it be focused on from his the ghost of his mother is that's a bridge too far for him, even <laughs> as uh, somebody who uh, ostensibly doesn't believe in it. Like I, I love that. I'm, I'm the same boat. I'm like. Oh, like I don't believe in any of that shit. But if yeah, you okay, tried yeah. to curse me over your mother's grave, I'm like, fuck you, bro. Right, like, right. come on, yeah, take the back. <laughs> Say, uh, yours best use of a uh, crafter technique in this movie. I mean, I, I, the same. I, we we. I mean, we talked about the performances being great, mm. but I, I, the pacing in this movie is flawless. Mm. As much as like, I have criticisms of the improv mm. and the the technique and the the achieved result of it. Mm -hmm. I do think that the the end result of the the edit that she got and the you know she there's 
there's stories about her fighting for final cut rights mm-hmm. um where you know she had negotiated for final cut um which if you're not uh a uh familiar with the industry mm-hmm. basically she negotiated that as the director she would have the final choice over the edit mm-hmm. that the the producers couldn't then come in and like make little tweaks and, and change things afterwards which mm-hmm. is unfortunately somewhat the norm picture is locked um, after she gets out of the room yeah picture she can lock picture mm-hmm. um but then as she went over budget and massively over budget uh, they took the final cut rights away from her and then basically buried the movie. And then the movie was, you know, rescued and the eventual, her cut was released, which is the like criterion uh, during Christmas that we day all... or Christmas weekend, Christmas day. One of those two oh, <laughs> during the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible. Uh, I mean, sometimes, I mean, if it's, Feel there's movie big movies the that that's a good one, but yeah, that's definitely <laughs> the graveyard for uh, <laughs> tiny pictures about the, the complexities of friendship uh, right. yeah not not a not a big christmas release right. uh so yeah so they 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 wrestled i say all that just to say that you know she fought very hard for editorial control over this and i have mm-hmm. criticisms of her as a filmmaker and decisions that she's made on this movie but the pacing of the edit in this movie is absolutely flawless mm-hmm. like the the intensity and then the release, mm-hmm. the the comedic bits in interwoven with the incredible vulnerability, mm-hmm. the listlessness, the bursts of violence. Like I, I think the 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 pacing of this movie and the edit of this movie is is incredible. Like just a, an absolute masterclass. I love that. Uh, did you learn anything from this movie, McGee? I'm. <laughs> It's a fun transition between these two uh, topics because I'm going to go from uh, being kind of nice to it and then uh, be my most critical. <laughs> there, there are parts of this movie that read like a cautionary tale to me. Um, uh, there's a behind-the-scenes footnote that there were 1.4 million feet of film yeah. shot on this yeah. movie. Three times the amount that Gone with the Wind shot. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. So, like, for, for you don't mid- need... A small budget crime, ninety minute crime drama <laughs> with two leads <laughs> right. and barely any supporting yeah. cast. Like right. you have like a, that, a, you that know, is, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Like <laughs> if you're not familiar with the film industry and with what those numbers mean, like mm. it is hard to express how absolutely bonkers mm. of a number that is mm-hmm. uh, to shoot. I, I mean, even like the like I alluded to earlier, like the DP walking off set and them shooting for a day and a half without a DP and it coming back all underexposed, mm-hmm. or the story I mentioned earlier with her rolling out on a take mm-hmm. and then asking where the the coverage was on the scene that she remembered, and it's like, yeah, that's the scene that you remember shooting mm-hmm. once the camera stopped rolling, and right. we told you that. Like, it, it, it's the little stories like that that is like. It it is almost like the excessive studio notes that people uh, kind of vilify and joke about are because every producer thinks that creatives are doing shit like this. Mm -hmm. Like every producer accuses us of this kind of bullshittery. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I, I find it hard to uh empathize with 
with Elaine and the consequences of of her uh, of this movie on her career is like it, it, it's it's hard for me to empathize with her because I feel like her behavior on this movie was used against other creatives going forward. Of yeah. like. I mean, the, this certain... is what they accuse us all of doing, yeah. wasting money in these kind of frivolous mm-hmm. ways that we are like, what are you getting out of this scene by shooting, you know, the actors took a left down the alleyway and walked out of frame and you're like, oh, let's keep rolling on the empty frame in case they walk back in. It's yeah. like, no, just have some control over your set. Like, yeah. just be a professional. Right. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, second what McGee says because because it is you know you want to I'm more inclined to be prepared you know have your have your boards I, I know there are certain you know directors you've been doing this long enough so I don't I don't believe Steven Spielberg um, boards it nearly as much as he did he can visualize kind of on set or you have an idea of what you want to get but the the, he's still, the I mean, I've and, seen hand drawn boards that he did on like Ready Player One. So oh yeah, still, yeah, I've seen to the extent like a whole film may not. Like oh a sequence, yeah, maybe, like previs, like, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and, and I think he's just capable at this point of just like I, I kind of know what it's going to look like, or we can put it together. Yeah, I'm not like the showing up, but just showing up on set and we'll just kind of figure it out. Um, I I don't think that's very beneficial personally. Like like even even. I agree. Like losing it, someone it, with the philosophy of we're going to lose a spot in 80. It's like, well, if everyone is professionals or we're all doing our job and at least we have, we know what we're doing on take one. Like we have a, a lighting plan. We know what we're yeah. going to get. Like then we can start improvising. Uh, but but to, it's the 80 20. Like it's, it, mm-hmm. that's so interesting to me that you, like, I'm so glad that you came into it having done the homework or read in the script and right. saying that like 80 20 ratio mm-hmm. because. That that to me is so damning mm-hmm. of the behavior of the making oh, of this right. movie mm-hmm. because the fact that the the end result of what you got is mm-hmm. still eighty percent right. what was scripted right. is like well then why the fuck did you go Who through all this that? suffering and pain and that's a good point and and make people do all these redo all this work redo mm-hmm. all this shoot throw away all this money mm-hmm. fight the studio you know spend all this effort fucking fighting the producers and mm-hmm. it's like save your effort fighting them for the the fights that fucking matter like absolutely don't fight over over relighting a street because you wanted to go east to west instead of north to south when it's at night and the sun's not up (laughs) and it doesn't matter what direction they're going like holy shit like that's an excellent point um speaking of which um Uh, did this stick the landing, McGee? Do you feel like I, I, let me let me just jump in here really quick before you uh, to, before uh, before we toss it to you because I feel like it does. Um, but one of the things that we're missing, um, I feel like with the edit, and we we spoke highly of the edit. I, I am largely uh, in agreement with where McGee's at with the edit, but some of the some of the audio is lost and, and, and clearly some of the boom mics were just a little too far or the, 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 the audio is lost in the edit because there yeah. are lines that they say in the line at the very end, which I think is very funny in the script. If you read it in the script, he tells us he's, he's asking his wife throughout that whole sequence at the end to, uh, to go to bed or do you want to go to bed or, or you know, and she, she keeps um, uh, reassuring her, you know, no, you know, I'm up, I, you know, I'm not I'm sleepy, tired. Blah, blah, blah. I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like- at the end when Mikey gets, uh, or in the end when Mikey, uh, Nikki gets shot, he, he turns her and screams and says, uh, do you want to go to bed now? And then the movie cuts. <laughs> so, uh, and he kind of says it and you can kind of hear it a little bit 
it. In, in oh the yeah, film, I didn't even. But hear you can't it. hear it. If I hadn't read the script, it's like, is that how she ended it? And then gone back and then listened to it. Uh, you you miss the moments like that in in the. Uh, in the That's funny. Film. I mean, I, it, it, was, it was a funny kind of pithy line. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly pithy line, but I do uh, think you, ending on his just like bewildered expression that, is, that is, is, yeah. is, is 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 such a just evocative. I mean, talk about right. does it stick the landing? Like, I I think that you could cut 15 minutes from the last 40 minutes of this movie. Yeah. yeah. I think the it loses I a agree. lot of steam when Mikey joins the hitman. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, and I, I think you, you know, you talked about the, him revisiting, um, I, I forget the, the actress's name, but him, Joyce, him Van, re- Joyce Van Patten's character. Yeah. Yes. Him revisiting Joyce Van Patten and that scene that they have and, and why that was important and, and mm. to the themes and the, and the character. Mm. And you, you definitely won me over on the, placement of that scene Mm -hmm. but i definitely on my my two watches this week it was just like that's that's where the movie starts to lose me yeah is once once mikey joins the hitman and it's clear what's going on i i Uh, I even think cutting around like i'd maybe leave the jam thing but some of the searching in the streets and going back to resnick even though it has the funny line like i i I totally am agree like it does the movie is it shifts into a slower gear um yeah but yeah totally agree yeah, the, it it drags, but that that ending is absolutely haunting. Yeah. Like you know the 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 and we we've talked before about the like you know leaving we you know, in Babylon we talked about like leaving the theater on a high note or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the, this movie doesn't try to leave you on a high note; it it leaves you with a gut punch. But mm-hmm. it's absolutely effective in the way that it does it. Of like mm-hmm. just like it it reinforces everything that they've been building on in just the the most effective way. And, right. And even yeah, like I said, the criticisms I had of the 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 last act and kind of dragging, but yeah, that that ending it's just such a brutal gut punch. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so we you we mentioned Tarantino earlier. Uh, when we like to talk about this, who 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 do you think has this Blu-ray on the shelf? Well, certainly those two, and that was actually my answer. Sorry, <laughs> but also in addition, uh, Griffin it was Newman, Tar- Tarantino. What was the other one? And Roger Avery. Um, oh, oh, okay. Uh, and so the whole video archive, um, uh, legend and lore of those two working at the video store way back when, and 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 now them kind of recreating, you know, that yeah. that, that store and that you know that. Uh, the aesthetic of that of that of that story for their podcast. So definitely, uh, definitely Quentin and Roger, and also um, uh, Blank Check had a, like you you mentioned a, a mini series on Elaine May. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Griffin and David, you know, I'm sure that yeah. got it. <laughs> got it on Excellent. I mean, well. in- inspirations for us in this podcast, yeah, especially yeah. for me. Uh, you know, hell yeah. Um, but what I what I had written down, I think uh, Linklater. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think he comes from a, a similar. Uh, uh, Il, you know he's got a, a similar like philosophy of filmmaking as like Cassavetes, right. uh, and and I, I, you know this is definitely up his alley. I think Park Chan Wook too. Speaking Ooh. of blank check, uh, they just yes. did the Park Chan Wook oh, series, yeah, and so yeah. he was on the mind. But I, I mean, even in his like later stuff, like Decision to Leave and stuff. Uh, but I, I think he's he does that kind of quiet yes. uh, of filmmaking that that right. you know like that really like. Like really diving into the internality of like one person and what makes them tick and right. what makes them. I mean, like I, I the the Park Chan Wook that that I fell in love with even more than Old Boy. Mm-hmm. I I remember seeing Thirst while I was in film school. Oh, His like vampire that. movie. Okay. You haven't seen Thirst? No, because I'm not. Oh like, shit! We'll talk about for me. <laughs> oh shit! All right, all right. So yeah, we'll put yeah, Thirst yeah. on the list because yeah. Thirst. I remember seeing Thirst in uh, in film school and I, and just absolutely being in love with it. Um, 
it's just yeah just such a good movie uh, and and he, he really likes to in the same way that scorsese likes to to dive into the like what makes a person uh right. make the decisions that they make um so and that's this movie uh it, you know all about like the internality of like these people's relationship and stuff like yeah um i i know who else has this on their shelf and it just occurred to me in the middle of this question the safties have this on their shelves. oh like, this, yeah absolutely like, this is, this is absolutely. uncut gems a good yeah. time i don't know if you if you see yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like that's a good that's a good poll for sure yeah the safties have this on their shelves. uh has this movie earned its place in film history what do you think McGee? It, it, I mean, it's sort of I, a buried I, treasure for, for it, it is a buried treasure and i, I alluded to this earlier but I, I do think like it is justifiably loved by the people who love it and also it yep. is overlooked by most people justify maybe also bleed <laughs> justifiably i knew he was going there. <laughs> i like that <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's probably fair. I think that's yeah. fair. That, that, that's about as much as I could expect. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, I think say. like if you're listening to this podcast and you know you've made it this far into the podcast, then like you you should give this a watch because yeah. there, there's nothing in spoiling the plot that is going to ruin your experience of watching this movie. So yeah. if if you've made it this far, you haven't watched it, like go ahead try and fire it up because I, yeah. I do think it is an interesting movie to watch um yeah, yeah uh, but yeah it, it, it's just maybe not the easiest movie to watch but like art doesn't have to be easy baby like right, that's just right. how it is yeah, exactly give it give it a watch at least once if, if you're on yeah. the fence because I, I think you, you'll take a lot out of it take a lot out of it particularly after this conversation so yeah that does it with our uh, breakdown of uh Lane Mays, Mikey and Nikki. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with this film, McGee. <laughs> I, ser- I certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, love the discourse, and I'm excited to hear what we're uh, talking about. Oh, next yeah. Week. It was- Coming this February to video stores everywhere. So you you mentioned you 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 brought in the noir theme with this oh, yeah. episode. So noir you November, baby, let's go. Noir November, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a fucking Eric Elliott here yeah. and, and be like I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the rules and also break the rules. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and we we are gonna watch our boy Keanu's Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, if you're not familiar, is a 1995 cyberpunk action film uh, directed by Robert Longo. It's actually his directorial debut. Oh, nice. Um, let me pull up the log line here. A data courier, literally carrying a data package inside his head, must deliver it before he dies from the burden or is killed by the Yakuza. Ooh, next week. Next Johnny week. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I'm excited for this one because I've been this is this is like on my meaning to watch list. Yes. <laughs> that I haven't gotten to. So yeah, it's gonna be it, it, it's it, it's absolutely. I mean, it's it's written by William Gibson, who is a sci-fi legend. Nice. Um I don't but, know his yeah. work, but but I hope to become familiar over the course of a week. Is has he done something I, sh- I should know or um hold on, let me make sure fucking minority uh, report and i just <laughs> so it's it's okay so he yeah he is the author of neuromancer it's exactly who i thought i was okay um so he he wrote one of the like seminal sci-fi novels mm. 
Um, so he's not necessarily like a big name in film, right? But he is um, basically one of the originators of cyberpunk as a genre. Oh, okay, cool. Very so cool. it's it's a kind of it's a goofy movie. Mm-hmm. Like the effects are a little dated. Right. Like it, it it can be a little silly at times. Right. But it's also yeah, it, it is made by the people who made the genre and so it's interesting to see where so many of the tropes uh, started Uh, so it'll be really fun to dive into if you're excited looking forward to it alright next week see you then hey if you made it to the end of our show you're the real MVP and we want to thank you if you want to reach out to us, email us at makemewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all your socials at makemewatchpodcast. Links are in the show notes. If you rate and review, shout out to you. Thanks. I'm going to tell you a little something. Sean doesn't want you to know there's exclusive content on our Patreon page where you can go to support the show, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, artwork by Supply Box, theme song by Soul Spy. Coming soon, folks. Hey.